0: race review, and Hot Topic sound off here at Banffa Racing Radio. Sal Segala will be joining us momentarily, uh, so I will go ahead and go through our agenda for tonight. In our first half hour, we're going to start with the latest short track news. Afterward, we'll review the Arkham and Art Series at the Talladega Super Speedway. We'll include an ARCA East update as well. Uh, we are reserving the ARCA West review for a little bit later in the show, so stay tuned for that. In the next half hour, we review the Xfinity Series and then the Cup Series at Talladega, and we'll include a brief update from uh, the NASCAR Truck Series. In our third half hour, our guest, Sean Hingarani, Arco West driver for the number 15, Prevent Training Motorsports, will join the conversations with Sal and I. And afterward, that's when we're going to review the Arco West race at Kern County Raceway Park, where Sean Hingarani won the event. So super excited to have uh, Sean on the show with us to talk about his uh, back-to-back victories. We're going to end the episode, of course, with our NASCAR Hot Topics Sound Off conversation, and that's with the Fan for Racing crew, and tonight we've got a full house, uh, so uh, definitely looking forward to talking Hot Topics at 10 o'clock here on Fan for Racing Radio. Now, joining me now for our preview part of the show, whoops, he was here, now he's dropped, (laughs) is uh, I was going to introduce Al Sigala, but the call dropped before, I got the um, introduction in there, so, anyway, Sal will hopefully be calling back, there he is now, I'll bring him into the queue, uh, welcome to the show, Sal.
1: Oh, thank you, Sharon, I had to hang up and call back, because I had a really horrible connection.
0: Oh, I wondered what happened, I was I was introducing <laughs> yeah. you, and then all of a sudden you were gone.
1: Oh, I know, I've, I'm like Coudini, I had to disappear for a minute, and... Re up and now we're good. Now I'm good. Yeah, I couldn't hear. It was, it was making some weird noises. So sorry about to that. I make sure me. Oh no, it's right. it's, it's okay. It's not, it's, yeah, we're good. <laughs>
0: We're good. Okay. We're going to get right into the short track news here, Sal, and uh, uh as I mentioned, I did not get any notes today, so what I'm going to do is just go, uh we'll start with Racing America, we'll move on to flow racing, and then short track scene, and catch uh, what we feel are the, the highlight stories uh from those three websites. So, um, Let's go ahead and uh, talk about uh, the Southern Super Series is taking part in a historic double at Montgomery Speedway. Uh, It'll be the first time the ASA Southern Super Series and the Show Me the Money Pro Late Models are racing together on the same day at Montgomery Motor Speedway. So uh, fans can watch for that. Coming up this next weekend, some of this is happening because of uh, a lot of uh, rain delays and uh, rain postponing a lot of these races uh, and causing them to have to double up. so
1: Yes, that's true. And then, uh, man, it, it's just—it's just been really, really—it's uh, just been really crazy out there. But, um, you know, they're trying to get their races in. I know I've been keeping it up with a lot of my photographer friends that are out there, and they keep saying, man, our races are getting, um, you know, we're getting postponed. We're not racing, you know, and, and you know, and all that stuff. So hopefully they'll get it all going, get it, oh, get it started. Okay.
2: Exactly. And then, and then
1: from there, yeah. And then from there, I, I think if I'm on the same page as you, the next one would be, uh, Ty gives Billy confidence during rookie NASCAR Cup Series season.
0: Yeah, he, yeah, they do uh, cover some of the NASCAR uh, things as well here at Racing America. So that's a good point, Sal. Uh, and there are several uh, NASCAR stories here. I try to focus on, on just the short track stories, but if you go to Racing okay, America, oh,
1: yeah.
0: you're going to see okay, a lot yeah, I'm, of I'm there. Uh, NASCAR stuff too. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm there. So on the bottom on the header, you got to read the bottom header. And then like like, like this one, for example, Act Tour act, actor Ready to Break 38-Year Drought at, at Stafford. Yeah. It's, it's
0: since 1985. Just, yeah. yeah since not Since
1: 1985, has Stafford held the American-Canadian Tour, and um, it's going to end this Saturday afternoon. That's in the late model section of the um, of, uh, Race in America.
0: All right, and I know this next story is something that's also at uh, Short Track Scene, so I'm going to move on uh, to Flow Racing here and some of the news at uh, Flow Racing. Uh, Let me start with King Corvette Parts and Cars Tour Partner uh, for a special four-race bonus. So there's going to be a bonus offered uh, for uh, people uh, winning those races. And uh, from what I can see here, it looks like it's a pretty good-sized bonus.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, I I don't they were. um,
0: It says uh, the driver who accumulates the most points across four races, and those four races include uh, Ace Speedway at Throwback 76 at Hickory Motor Speedway and South Boston Speedway, and then the season finale, Carol Speedway: The driver who accumulates the most points across the four races are going to receive ten thousand uh, dollars. That's going to be a nice wow. payday.
1: Yeah, it is, and that's something like what the what the SRL National is also doing. You know, with theirs with their National Tour, they're going to offer something at the end. I'm not sure what it is. They're still trying to come up with a number. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be kind of interesting. And then another headline we have on. Flow racing this car Carson Quapple goes back to back wins with the Cars Tour at Hickory Speedway this past weekend. So Carson is on a is on another roll again looking to, to hopefully I think this would be his second championship if he does do it in the in the in the um cars tour at uh but he won a second won a second race at Hickory Speedway this past weekend.
0: Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool to see. Always happy to see that. And then uh, some of you will remember we highlighted this uh, at the time, the Legends of Racing, the Benton House recognized at the Indy Film Fest. So uh, the the film was produced by Flow Sports Studios and was recognized Saturday during the Indy Film Fest at Indianapolis, Indiana. So very cool for flow racing to get that uh acknowledgement and recognition.
1: Yeah, it is. And then um, I don't, man, there's so much stuff going on here on the
0: There is.
1: Trying to keep out I'm trying to keep out the like even the um the uh at A D R A N M C A which is all drag racing stuff, um
0: uh, how about the choose cone?
1: Yeah. You know what, you're on, you're on Flow Racing.
0: Yeah, I'm at Flow Racing. It says high-limit sprint, Choose Cone, will be the next big thing in dirt track racing. Uh, so wow. that's, uh, that's what they're talking about now, uh, the next big thing on dirt. The new high-limit sprint car series, Choose Cone, was a hot topic following the Lakeside Speedway season opener. Some liked it, but some didn't. So uh, that that's going to be a hot
1: topic uh, for people. Okay, so they're going to do the choose cone on dirt now because the choose cone started on um, on asphalt um, late and super late because a lot of the races that we do, like, like what we do at Orange Show, you know, for the pro late models and stuff, they we have the choose cone over there. We've had it for like the past five, six years. You know, we use a choose cone, and then they also use it at – um. At the uh at the bore in Las Vegas they use the choose cone.
0: Exactly. Well they talk about it on the new High Limit Room podcast hosted by Kyle Larson, Brad Sweet, and Dylan Welch. And it's available over at Flow Racing as well. So I'd encourage everybody to take a listen to that. Uh because they're talking about the choose cone and uh how did it work on dirt out there at Lakeside.
1: Yeah, then you know what, then we had some we had some sad news coming over the weekend. Also was at Bandimere Speedway. Um it's gonna be closing at the end of the season. They're um Aww. they end up selling out. We we we've had Spory Bandimere on the show a couple of times. Yes. He was with yes, um he's with um uh he used to help out Tony um um Tony with the uh, with the with the Jet Tracksters. But yeah, mm-hmm. so they made an announcement. They made an announcement on, on Thursday that, um, that this is going to be the last season, uh, that, uh, the 65 year old track is going to be shutting its doors and they're hoping to find another place for it. But, um, you know, that, that, that'll be yet to be seen. So that's just something if if you live in the band in the Denver area, you know, you might want to catch your last race at Bandimere. They got a full schedule of events right. that you can, you can see on their website.
0: Okay, thanks for letting us know that, Jay, or Sal. Um Also, the article I referenced, it was over at uh, Racing America, but it's also over at Short Track Scene. R.J. Braun wins the Midwest Tour opener at Slinger. So you can read all about that. It's a super late model race uh, that took place out there. They've also got the Carson Cop- quapple, uh Winning the car's hickory photo finish, so that's also available at uh short track scene Sal. oh yeah
1: that oh yeah that that was that was a big win for Carson i mean it was a big win for for all that you know and then um and then you already read about the keen parts the uh ten thousand dollar bonus um uh, uh-huh. and then some- then something from from our neck of the woods out here. From the West Coast, uh, we had um, Hayden Flybond Hayden claims his second Leonard Evans uh, Memorial out here at, uh, gosh, where was it at? It was at um, Wenatchee. In Wenatchee uh,
0: Valley, Valley Super Oval in Washington State.
1: And, 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 and actually, Wenatchee has a big uh, $25,000 to win race that's going to be coming up here in a couple of months that's going to be something to look out for because Hayden Flybottom will be part of that. So Derek Thorne, uh, Jacob Gomes, um, we're going to see a lot of might even see, uh, uh, Pollard and a few of those racers, you know, make the, make the, uh, journey out here, but that's going to be a, uh, that was a big race that was added to the, uh, to the schedule.
0: Yes, indeed. All right. So, um, uh, let's see here. Burt Myers wins the Hayes Two Hundred after leaders tangle with ten to go. That was at Bowman Gray Stadium, and again, you can read about that over at uh, Bowman uh, at uh, Short Track Scene. Uh, Matt Weaver wrote about it. The leaders traded bump and runs, and neither ended up with the win. So uh, we know how that worked out.
1: Yeah, and then also we had the. Uh the SRL Southwest tour, they ran their pro late model division along with the Arca race this past Saturday at uh at, um, at Kern County Raceway and uh, uh Minnie White picked up his third his third uh win in a row so far uh, so far along with Jacob Gomes, they're both undefeated in the in the and along with let's not forget about um Travis Thurkettle in the uh in the modified uh, so far, they've each ran three races this season, and so far, Jacob Gomes has won the, the three superlates, Lenny White has won the mm-hmm. three prolates, and Travis Thirkettle has won all three modified races. So uh, that's going to be something to look forward to, when, uh, you know, as they as they make their way out to Irondale in the middle of the uh, of the um, in the middle of May.
0: Okay. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to talk uh, next here about the um, race that was won at uh, Talladega Super Speedway by another Venturini car uh, this weekend. Jesse Love earned an ARCA Talladega win uh, with Venturini Motorsports this weekend. Uh, So that was pretty big.
1: Yeah, it was. It was big for, for Jesse and for the Vent Motorsports team you know, to get the win over in over in uh in Talladega. I know Jesse he's he's our he's a local guy from out here also. He, you know, he is. a local They cut his cut his teeth out here at uh out here in um on the um on the west coast.
0: Menlo Park.
1: Yeah. But he also ran for Bill McAnally. he has a couple championships with in oh, okay. the, That's and, true. And what was known as a, it was known as a Canon West before it went to Arca West.
0: Yep, he's 18 years old now. That's hard to believe, Sal. Uh, driving the uh, number 20 Toyota for uh, Venturini, and on his second start on the Super Speedway, uh, Jesse Love Howard past Andreas Perez de Lara after a restart with seven laps to go in the general tire 200 at Talladega he held off his Venturini teammate though gustine in order to earn that first victory of the season um, this we had uh, andres perez de laura on the show thursday night he gave us a great interview And uh, Sal, if you haven't had a chance to hear it, uh, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to him. Uh, He he has some confidence, you know. He's a Mexico Series uh, champion, and um, he was really looking forward to this race.
1: Oh, I can even I can imagine. Um, I'm going to have to.
0: He ended up in. uh, Go back
1: and see. Funny, Mike. my computer is blocking me from going into Arca.
0: Yeah, I just uh, I contacted Charlie Crawl about that because I've had the same problem. It, it, the, I can't get into the website either, so I'm reading about it uh, from our our website uh, where I have the information about okay, Jesse Love's win.
1: Yeah, because it's funny because yes, I was in it yesterday.
0: I know, I know. Something's happened. Uh, So hopefully uh, the alert helps. I'm sure I'm not the only one who probably contacted him, but at any rate, I I think they know about it at this point. Uh, Love dominated the early part of the race after taking the lead at the start of the 76-lap event, but pit strategy near the halfway mark cycled him out of the lead, so he had to work his way back to the front and was running second behind uh, Perez De la, with 12 laps left when Caleb Kostner crashed. And after the right front tire of his number 93 failed in the third and fourth turns. So um, Jesse Love indicated, Sal, that he was kind of yelled at after his last uh, super speedway race uh, that he needed to stay calm <laughs> behind the wheel. So he worked on that at this race, and uh, he said that uh, he surprised himself at how calm he was behind the wheel coming to the close of the race.
1: Excuse me. Okay, so I I, I found the I found where you're at now.
0: Yeah, Venturini actually took both first and second place. At Talladega, which was uh, pretty cool to see as well.
1: It's funny because your link doesn't allow me to see the uh, the, results? the results, but yet, but yet I can see the point standings.
0: Yeah, why don't you, we're, we're here's what we'll say about the results because this is all we have. Brett Holmes um, uh, actually finished in third place behind Gustine. Uh, Perez Delara uh finished fourth for rubber racing in his first super speedway race and Sean Cor finished in fifth. Then it was Jack Wood, Taylor Gray, Scott Melton, Frankie Muniz and Jason White who rounded out the top ten. Greg Manault, you remember he won that opening race at Daytona. He entered the uh, the general tire 200 as a championship leader, but he had crashed on lap 16 and in, that, in, that caused him to end up finishing in 32nd place. So do you want to go ahead and do the point standings now, Sal?
1: Yeah, let me do the points. Um, let's see, I just had them up here. Right. Okay, here we go. So the points is uh, Greg, Greg Van Alst is still in uh
0: that's after three We're still
1: races. We... hmm Yeah, after three races. Uh Frankie Munez uh is in second. Tony Constantino's in third. Jesse Love's in fourth. Christian Rose is in fifth. Jack Wood is in sixth. And then from there then we go down to uh um Tyler Reif. I don't know why they would have Tyler Reif in here.
0: Yeah, he only I raced in one race.
1: Yeah, I know, which was the which was the Phoenix race.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, and then Same Connor Mozak
1: eighth and then Andres mm-hmm. Perez did Laura's and ninth and then round off the top ten is a Tony Tony uh, uh Breidinger.
0: Yeah, and she's actually in a four way tie uh, for that spot. Uh, Andres Perez Delara, Tony Breidinger, John Garrett and Landon Lewis. Are, all have 38 points, so oh, that's pretty – or the 38 points, I should say. So that's pretty yeah, amazing. They're both,
1: you know what? They have to make a mistake on the points.
0: Yeah, I don't think this looks right either. Hell, I was just noticing that It's not right
1: because yeah. – first, first Yeah. We're going to have forty. – First place isn't worth 47 points. We're going to have
0: to – yeah, uh, we're going to have to – Uh, Get back to you on these points because this definitely does not look right Um,
1: nah, these
0: points aren't right and and, uh, When we do the preview show on Thursday, hopefully they'll have this corrected because you're right these points do not look right now up next for the Arkham Arts series uh, is on May 6th at 2 p.m. Uh, they're going to visit Kansas Speedway out in Kansas City, Kansas, for the Dawn 150. Uh, fans who are unable to attend in person can watch the race on Fox Sports 1 or on the Fox Sports app. So uh, stay tuned for that race on May the 6th for the uh Menards Series. Uh, it's really hard because this is the point, Sal, where we kind of highlight some of the articles that are up over at uh, Racing dot com, and we're really not able to do that tonight because we cannot access the site. So, let me try this again. Nope, it's still still not yeah, accessible.
1: Yeah, it's still down. It's, it's 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 okay. We have we have time for the uh, you know to do the other. Uh, to do the um, ARCA West and then, you know, gives a, a few more minutes with uh, with ARCA West winner who's going to be calling in.
0: Yeah, well, I hate to do that because we can't do that all the time, Sal. Um, oh, I,
1: I know we can't share, but, I mean, at this point in time, we have no choice. I mean, but we're also I, cutting ourselves
0: short on that preview, on that review. Um, I know.
1: I even tried on my phone on and my, and my tablet and even let me do it on my tablet or my phone, so the site is completely down.
0: Okay, well, let's go ahead and talk about some of the other Short Track news that we can see here because um, I know at Short Track Scene, they have super late models, they have a, a tab for super late models, pro late models, late models, modified, and the other series, which includes the Penti series, uh, the Shootout Series, and the Super Modifieds. They also have commentary articles that they put up uh, every now and again there as well. So let's let's go to the Super Lates. And actually, we've uh, already hit some of that. The Late Models. Yeah, that talks about the bonus, uh, the $10,000 bonus. Uh, it says the car yeah. Tour Hickory has more entries than grid space. Uh, that's gonna be interesting. That was on April eighteenth. And forty one cars on that entry list for the uh late model uh stock cars. For the pro late models they had twenty nine cars listed. So yeah, that's uh that's really a lot of cars for the for a very short track.
1: Yeah, it is. I'm, huh? I'm, I don't
0: even know. Last, also um, know. due to weather forecast, uh, uh, South Boston Speedway, they had to postpone. They had to cancel Saturday night's event, uh, and uh, because of the weather there. So, I guess they're going to reschedule that for May 6th, so uh, keep that in mind, that those races at South Boston will take place on May the 6th instead. Um, Modifieds. We talked about Burt Myers winning after there was a tangle up with cars. Uh, Caleb Hetty returns to Smart Victory Lane at Hickory Motor Speedway. That was earlier this month. If you missed that, there's a great article about that over at uh, Short Track Scene as well. Are you seeing anything on the other websites, Sal?
1: No, not really. I mean, it's just basically you have to – because you got all the drop-downs, so I mean – there's just so much racing out there that that you know, and 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 a lot of stuff with Matt's using he's just using press releases except for the races that he attends. So uh, so uh, so a lot of this is a lot of it is just the best way to do it is if you go to shorttrackscene.com and and there's a series that you would like, you know what it's 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 nice to just you know kind of go through the um, through the header you know and then as the drop downs come in. You know, then you can go to, uh, you know, to a different, um, you know, to a different series like, like the Southern Super Series. You know, that's a really good series to follow. Um, you, know, you know, you get William Byron and, and a lot of the, you know, some of the, a lot of your, um, some of the cup drivers, you know, they really like uh, participating in the Southern Super Series. It's been around. It's been around for a long time. Yeah uh, and there's.
0: There's some great contributors to it. Matt Weaver, of course, is one of those. Andy Marti, Paul Lambert, yeah. Jeff Brown, and Chris Owens all write articles. Uh, also, Kyle Souza, uh, all write articles over at Short Track Scene. So these are guys that are really knowledgeable about the Short Track Scene, and uh, great. Uh, they, they put together some great articles. Same thing at Flow Racing. Remember Rob Blount? Uh Sal. Yeah. He's he's now a contributor,
1: yeah, I see content content yeah, curator at uh yeah, Flow Racing. A, yeah, well when when Flow Racing took over Speed fifty one, Rob just basically went over to to uh to continue that at that, that flow racing. And
0: Brandon Paul is also over at Flow Racing.
1: Yeah, Brandon Paul was the he was the editor in chief at Speed Fifty One and uh, Rob Blount worked under him. I, I see him every year when I go to the Snowball Derby. I see him inside the trailer with the uh, with the um, with uh, um, Speed Fifty One.
0: Yeah, we need to invite him back on the show. Uh, I used to, you know, it's funny because he used to do a show with uh, this other gal, and uh, I used to go on their show as a guest. And uh, you know, I've seen him at the track a few times as well uh and he he really gets around uh Rob is a good follow if anybody's looking for somebody to follow and again a content creator over at flow racing uh so you you'll definitely want to uh, check him out and then over at um racing america uh, i'm trying to see how we can find out who writes at racing america do you know
1: i don't I don't know, I already, I already shut that. I already oh, shut you that already shut it
0: down? Okay. Yeah, since, um,
1: since, since we're done, my I shut them down because it slows down my um, my Internet over here. we got too many people in this little part I live in. Okay. Use the internet. It's Let's really go ahead and move time. on.
0: Let me go on to the Xfinity series then here with uh, Jeb Burton. Uh, Jeb Burton uh, won the Ag Pro 300 at Talladega Super Speedway at the age of 30, driving the number 27 Solid Rock Carrier Chevrolet for Jordan Anderson Racing. Shane Whitbeck is his crew chief. It was his second victory in 118 Xfinity Series races. Uh, his first win also came at Talladega, and his first victory and first top-ten finish this year. It's also his second victory and fourth top ten finish in seven races at Talladega. Sheldon Creed finished second, posting his first top ten finish in three races at Talladega and his fifth top ten finish of the year. Parker Kligerman finished in third, posting his third top ten finish in four races at Talladega. And it was Parker Rutzlaff who finished in seventh, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um... Now, this race was uh, pretty exciting to watch. Uh, it was the kind of hard-nosed, impatient, and thrilling cushion that NASCAR fans have come to expect in the final lap at Talladega Super Speedway. In the end, though, it was Jeff Burton taking the checkered flag in a double time, double overtime restart to claim the victory in Saturday's AgPro 300. Uh, he held off the field... In, for his second win, both coming at Talladega, uh, his first win for Jordan Anderson Racing as the team owner across 169 starts in the Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series combined. Sheldon Creed again finished in second, matching his best finish of his career, Parker Kligerman third, then it was Cole Custer who won the $100,000, Dash for Cash bonus with a fourth-place effort. Brendan Pools finished in uh, uh, fifth place in JD Mo- for J.D. Motorsports. It was their first top-five finish since 2019. Cesar Baccarella finished uh, a career-high sixth place. Parker Retzlaff overcame an early wreck to finish seventh. Greg Alding finished eighth. Then it was Joey Gase and Josh Williams rounding out the top ten. Justin Allgaier won the opening stage, his fourth stage victory of the year. Burton won stage two under caution. There were 28 lead changes among 12 drivers and 10 cautions for 48 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 106.960 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top ten finishers in the AG Pro 300 South?
1: Yeah, it was a good, it was a good field, the finish in the top ten. Good to see Cole Custer finally,
0: yeah,
1: finally start getting you know, um, you know, start getting some good finishes. You know, of course, Jeb Burton, you know, again, grabbing the win again. You know, I know there's a lot of a lot of fans out there that like him. You know, that we're we're happy to see him. I don't know one of the guys that we went to for uh, Studios with actually, he was really excited for that one for Jeb. He likes Jeb. He's a big fan. And then to see Sheldon Creed. Continue, you know, this year, you know, with some good finishes. I know last year we seen him in his in his rookie year, and he was just really never had a. It's like he just couldn't really get a grip on the car, or just didn't have any luck. Yeah,
0: he's starting you know, to
1: come so, around now. Oh yeah, he started to come around. You know, you know, pick up some you know, some good finishes. I, I know he's up there high in the points. You know, again, uh, um, a name we never hear of. Maybe once every two, three years is Greg Alding, you know, uh, and, you know, an A spot. Um, yeah, yeah, with
0: some names we don't you know, normally see up in the top ten. That's for
1: sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's why I said I think I've only seen Greg Alding up there in the last five years, maybe twice, if that. You know, Joey Gase, You know, you know, to, to grab that spot. But of course, Parker Parker Rett, Retzloff, You know, is continuing with his. With a strong rookie season, you know, then, um, just a quick prayer and a shout out to Blaine Perkins, um, who got in that yeah. nasty wreck. I talked to Blaine this morning and, uh, he said, he just bagged up, um, not sure if he's going to race this weekend or not. Um, they're still, they're still making that decision. Um, I talked to his dad right after the wreck and NASCAR didn't let him give out any information until, until they basically cleared him so um, blaine texted Blaine taxi text when he got out of the hospital yesterday and said that you know his his eyes are <clears throat> you know are kind of kind of bruised up, and of, mm-hmm. of course you know they did the concussion protocol on him and stuff like that, but he says he's sore, but you know he's ready to go, so you know he, he thanked said you know make sure and thank his team thank his fans you know for the ones that reached out to him you know well, and his if you, team, talk you know to for the.
0: Blaine. Uh, let Safe him know car, yeah. I was thinking about him as well Because that was a nasty wreck for sure And when he got yeah. out of the car I could tell he was kind of stunned a little bit So it was no surprise to me When they said he was. they were taking him uh, for further evaluation um, And then I saw his statement today on Twitter as well Where he thanked everybody for, for everything they did to help him um, you know, so that was really good to see. So we'll stay tuned for some news there. Only
1: Yeah, you know me, and he said he doesn't cars. really remember much. Yeah, yeah. he said he'll remember much. <laughs> he said it happened so quick.
0: Yeah, you it know, happened so real um, quick and you could tell he was stunned when he got out of the car. Yeah. Eighteen cars on the lead lap, Sal for uh not the lead lap but still running at the end of this race some of those cars finished laps down um, but um only 18 cars actually no all 18 cars uh finished the full race uh one car finished laps down and that was he was still running that was uh Joe Graf Jr and he was eight laps down uh, but a lot of uh uh incidents in this race which is typical of uh talladega uh parker chase uh, ended on lap 37 uh, due to the damaged vehicle policy uh anthony alfredo was out because of the accident uh jade buford and uh, dexter Stacey and blaine perkins that's the one where all of them uh were involved and that uh, took all three of them out of the race on lap 47 Lap 63, Sammy Smith was out uh, because of an accident. John Hunter Nima checked out on lap 81 due to an accident. Jeffrey Earnhardt had a transmission issue taking him out of the race on lap 83. Josh Berry, uh, Sam Mayer, and Justin algauer all out on lap 100 because of an accident. On lap 110, several drivers were out. Uh, One driver didn't make it, uh, Derek Cross, because of the damaged vehicle policy. All the rest uh, had their cars uh, destroyed and couldn't go back out. They included Daniel Hemrick, Ryan Sieg, Riley Erbst, Kaz Grala, Chandler Smith, and Josh Bowicki. So quite a few drivers involved in accidents yesterday. Um, and, uh, we're glad for the most part, everybody is safe and sound. And, uh, we do hope that, uh, Blaine Perkins recovers quickly and he's able to race again this weekend. But if not, we'll certainly understand if he sits out a race in order to, uh, take care of his health.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he'll be back, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, continue to finish out the you know, to, to uh, finish out the season.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, and let's go ahead and cover the points reports, so All
1: right, for points. Huh. Come
0: on. We're having our challenges here today, aren't we? Okay, I know where you can go for the top 10 anyway. Uh the standings go to the uh, uh race page and they've got the top sixteen listed there.
1: Yeah. That's weird. Everybody's having NASCAR just NASCAR's <laughs> all kinds of of technical
0: apart. issues here tonight. Uh
1: yeah, the Symphony
0: series playoff standings is what they have at J SKI's on that race page.
1: Uh, Here we go. Um, Standings in the Xfinity series are as follows. we got Austin Hill leading the points, John Hunter Nemechek in second, and a tractor is running through the center of my page. I just got my page all dirty, and then he drove away and cleaned it all off. Thank you. I'm (laughs) on NASCAR.com. A tractor went right through the middle of the page and got the page all dirty, and then it cleaned it. Chandler Smith in third. Riley Herbst hold on to that fourth spot. Um, Josh Berry in fifth. Justin Allgaier in seventh. Cole, Justin Allgaier in sixth in the number seven. Cole Custer in seventh in the double zero. Um, in the eighth spot is still Sheldon Creed. Sammy Smith drops some spots. He's down to the ninth spot. Um, tenth spot is Daniel Hemrick. Uh, eleventh spot is Parker Klingerman and Chad Bayer was in the 12th spot, but that'll, of course, that'll be taken over once, uh, once they reset yep. with Jeb Burton, who has the, who's got the one race win. Well, actually, the two race wins, one race win. One
0: race, race
1: win. so far, so yeah, one race win. So he'll take over the spot from from. Uh, he'll put
0: from, Sam uh,
1: on the bubble. Set. Yeah, he'll put Sam on the bubble.
0: All right. So, um Austin Hill of course has the three race wins. John Hunter Mnimacek has two. Chandler Smith Chandler was Smith one. Was. Sammy Smith was one. Jeff Burton was one. So those guys all uh will move up in the point standings with their victories for sure.
1: Oh yeah, and Austin Hill is Austin Hill is uh so far he's our top he's our top rookie this year. He's leading the rookie points. Along with that, yeah, so Austin Hill is having him a really, really, a really good year. Um, You know, out of uh, yeah, just he's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, Barker Krugerman
0: had a really good start, considering that he had to go to the rear at the start of the race. He had a real good finish, I should say, and and so did Cole Custer. after starting from the rear of the field for the start of the race, they ended up in the top ten, which is pretty darn cool.
1: Yeah, so uh, still a lot of racing left, you know, a lot more wins for, you know, a lot of these drivers I'm sure we'll see, you know. uh, You know, I'm sure, you know, we'll see. Hopefully we'll see a win out of Riley Herbst before the season's over.
0: Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, He's coming awful close. Uh, the next race for the uh NASCAR Xfinity series. Make sure I got this right. My on the Xfinity page? Yes. Okay. Uh, The next race is at Dover Motor Speedway this weekend, April 29th, at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll have qualifying on Friday, April 28th, 3.35 to 4.30, and practice Friday, April the 28th, at 3.05 to 3.35. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, and uh, Jay and I will include that in our preview on Thursday, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Let's go ahead and move over to the Cup Series. Um, The Geico 500 was run by Kyle Busch at age 37, driving the number eight McLaren Custom Grille Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing. His crew chief was Randall Burnett. It was his 62nd victory in 652 Cup Series races, his second victory in 5th top 10 finish this year, and his second victory in 10th top 10 finish in 36 races at Talladega. Ryan Blaney posted... Uh, second-place finish for his seventh top-ten finish in 18 races at Talladega and his fifth top-ten finish in 2023. He's just still scratching his head about what he needs to do in order to win a race. He comes so close so many times. Chris Fisher finished third, posting his third top-ten finish in 16 races at Talladega. And then Ty Gibbs finished 31st, but he was the highest-finishing rookie of the race, uh, so this too was an exciting uh race for the cup series. uh hold on, I'm trying to get my spot here um <clears throat> He uh, Kyle Bush was able to avoid the big one in order to get that victory uh, and stay on track instead of pay. what his crew told him he had needed to pit for fuel and he uh, he played the gamble and uh, chose not to pit for fuel uh, during a pair of overtime restarts uh, at Talladega and he ended up the big winner when it was all said and done. Uh, the number eight Chevrolet had just enough gas to make it to the checkered flag as a half a dozen other lead cars around him were collected in a multi-car accident while maneuvering forward to challenge for the lead on that final overtime lap. So, uh, it, again, his second win of the year. Uh, Blaney finished second, followed by Busher, Briscoe, Kaslowski, Eric Jones, William Byron. Christopher Bell, Daniel Suarez, and Todd Gilliland, the pole winner, Denny Hamlin, finished 17th. The race ended following that second overtime attempt. Uh, there was an accident with four laps uh, to go in the race to set up the first overtime attempt, and during that first attempt, Noah Gregson spun out from the front row. Uh, he collected Kyle Larson and Ryan Preece. Uh and on that final restart, Kyle Busch, Uh, Ryan Blaney restarted on the front row, and Wallace took the lead on the final lap but spun out after contact from Blaney, forcing the race to end under caution. Uh, Stage one was won by Chase Elliott, stage two by Eric Almirola. There were fifty seven lead changes among twenty one drivers, eight cautions for thirty four yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was hundred and forty six point five seven five miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top ten finishes here, Sal?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a crazy finish. You know, um <sighs> I'm I'm just gonna stay away from what I really want to say, but you know, congrats to Kyle Busch on the win. You know, he's finally getting some luck on his side. You know,
2: uh, mm-hmm.
1: you know, running you know running low on fuel. You know, the way he did. You know, and still get the win. You know, was really really good. You know, Brad Blaney. Gosh, what what can you say? He's you know, between him and Joey Logano, I I you know they're 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 really still keeping Penske. You know, on the you know on the um on the uh on the map you know Mm -hmm. um i know during the race brad Keselowski was was very um very boisterous on the radio you know talking you know about you know the way some of the racing was going and but um you know it's good to see you know brad continue to you know to get those those good finishes you know finishing a a strong fifth um i think i think we're going to see a win i think we're going to see a win from brad before the season's over um Kyle Busch, like you said, you know, it's continuing to be strong. Chris Boucher, you know, um, you know, gets a third and it's funny because um we we kind of we kinda of been on NASCAR and every week they have what they call the field, which is Chris Buescher, um, Todd Gilliland, Ty Dillon, you know, all the lower class drivers, you know, they'll they'll be going off at like 50, 60, 70, hundred fifty to one. But when it comes to the plate races, you know they're going off for of like 25, twenty five 25 to to one. You know the odds are just really, you know, because it's, it can give me any, anybody can win it. You know anybody yeah. can win it. You know and uh, you know I don't I don't Truick's had his issues. Um, you know but um, Chastain he looked really strong at the beginning again. You know like he was mm-hmm. gonna get a, uh, you know like you know like he was gonna get you know get a, a play win. Um, Chase Elliott looked strong. You know, finished 12. But all in all, you know what? You gotta say congrats to Kyle Bush and the, the Richard Childress Racing team. They Kyle came over, you know, and Richard Childress, you know, is really he's really making an impact.
0: He is, he is. You know? And Richard Childress was very complimentary of Kyle Bush too in his uh, media interview. Um, I don't know. There's a video on Twitter that's going around where Jamie Little is interviewing Kyle Busch about his victory at the start-finish line. And in the background, uh, Austin Sindrick and Martin Truex Jr. are slowly crossing the finish line uh, to finish on the lead lap. Uh, and uh, they were joking about it being a photo finish between uh, Austin Sindrick and Martin Truex for 26th and 27th place. Um and those guys uh, were the last cars on the lead lap uh, and able to finish all not 196 laps of the race. Um, a couple of drivers, let's see, there's four drivers that finished a lap down, but some of them were also out. Uh, Bubba Wallace, one of those drivers out because of the accident, as was A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, Joey Logano was still running. He completed 195 laps. And uh, Ty Gibbs uh, ran out of fuel on lap 194, taking him out of the race. Uh, On lap 189, three cars, Noah Gregson, Kyle Larson, and Ryan Priest were out of the race. Uh, Michael McDappell was still running, but he only got 189 laps in. And um, on lap 183, it was Harrison Burton out because of an accident, and on lap 141, two cars out because of an accident between Zane Smith and Austin Dillon. Uh, so, typical for Talladega. Uh, you just never know how it's all going to end at Talladega Super Speedway.
1: Yeah, you know, and actually, um, you know, he started 36th and finish, uh, finished, uh, finished 20th. You know, it was Riley Herbst drove that uh, car for um, uh, Rick Ware yes. Racing. You know, you know, after his son, you know, was, you know, was suspended indefinitely, and they called out Riley Herbst to race this race, you know, and and he was the highest finishing non non non-cup driver and still finished on the lead lap, you know. So I mean,
2: you know, congrats to Riley. You know,
1: I'm yeah, I'm sure for him that was a that was a you know that was a win for him, you know, to be able to you know finish the race on the lead lap, you know, and you know you know to be the highest finishing non. Oh I, um, I well, he's not the highest one. J.J. Yaley was. J.J. Yaley finished eleventh.
0: Oh, okay. He was okay. The highest
1: finishing okay. non-cup driver, yeah. But I mean, was still he, was still he finished on the lead lap, you know, and uh, you know was able to bring the car home, you know, on the lead lap. So I mean, that he
0: did a good job. I'm
1: sure that was. Oh yeah, I'm sure that was big for Riley. I mean, you know, he's you know, um, he, he's kind of a confidence so boost for
0: being you know, for because his dad kind of helps um, support him. Uh, and a lot of people think he's only there because of the money that his dad brings, but Riley Ertz is a good driver. I I firmly yeah. believe
1: that. Oh yeah, I do too. I mean, he puts his time in. You know what? And, and he's, you know, um, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. I've been a fan of him since
0: since uh. Oh, I know. For since Day,
1: you know what? Yeah, and, you know, and even at Urindale, you know, a lot of the drivers, you know, used to give a hard time because he was driving two series. He was driving the late models and he was driving in the Orindale truck series, you know, and there was only, he was the only driver doing that because he was the only one that could afford it. You know, but I mean, he never, you know, they never really pushed their star power or their money around, you know, what it was, you know, the kid wanted to race, you know, his dad was able to put him, you know, in a you know, he didn't want to race off-road, you know, like his dad, following his dad's footsteps, he wanted to race NASCAR and do something different, you know, so his dad,
0: yeah.
1: you know, had the money, you know, to do it. So, I mean, you know, and I, I, I don't know, we talk about that a lot, too. We we kind of bash the, you know, the kids with the, with the silver spoon.
0: Yeah, so but Riley's a hard worker. Yeah, <clears> he <throat> is. Let me, let me just say one of the big stories today, too, Sal, was uh, NASCAR took Kyle Larson's car back to the R&D Center uh, after the race because they wanted to study, uh, you know, why his car was banged up so bad in that wreck. And today uh, they asked Stuart Haas Racing to bring over Ryan Preece's car as well to help them uh, as they analyze that wreck uh, and see what they can do differently to avoid uh Uh, that kind of tearing up of the car. So any thoughts about uh, NASCAR doing that?
1: You know, I think it's good because they're, believe it or not, there are teams, I'm not saying they compromise the safety of the driver, but there are teams that will compromise the car itself, you know, to try and lighten up certain spots you know you know to get the car to go a little bit faster you know so this way you know on different sides of the car and i've seen it at urindale time after time after time i've seen it in other tracks time after time you know where it's always has to do something with the roll cage and i think that's why nascar want to look at that cage and wonder why that part of that cage collapsed the way it should have and it when it shouldn't have collapsed because these cars are built to they're built to take the hit and they're built to take, uh, you know, like what happened with Blaine on Saturday, you know. Mm-hmm. I think NASCAR is they're they're they're, they're going to check the thickness of that roll cage, and if they find it to be under what NASCAR wants the cage to be, I you know if this, I'm not I don't know if this could be a devastating penalty. I mean, it could be like like the most hugest penalty because not only did They compromise the safety of the car. They compromise the safety of a driver, and and not only that, but at a plate track, you know, you don't want to compromise nothing like that. And mm-hmm. and, and if NASCAR does find something, I mean, I, I I don't know if they're going to handle it internally and not say nothing, or if they're they're going to have to make it public. But um, with, well, with what Well, NASCAR said that those... they're going
0: to be more transparent with these things, so I hope that that is yeah. the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because when I seen that and and i was talking to a couple of friends yesterday at at uh universal studios and i said look at that cage i says i said um that cage it. should have never yeah, i said it should have never bent like that i i i said because when they test them they test them and get hit from all angles all different angles but i've seen cars crushed like that at uringo before and what it was was the cage was compromised this the steel wasn't the right wasn't the right thickness.
0: Mhm.
1: So Yeah. So I'm I glad that they are doing that happen. investigation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When that happened now that's good. And I'm sure that's the first thing NASCAR thought. We they didn't have a choice. Everybody's seen it. All the other teams seen it. They had to, they had to take it in and get it looked at. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what they find and what they find what they're gonna how they are going to proceed mm-hmm. it's going to be the big thing yeah. how they're going to proceed with that
0: yeah I hope they do come out and talk to us about it I'm going to be listening to Sirius XM in the morning uh, so I can hear uh, if they come on and, and uh, interview anybody from NASCAR and if they don't come on tomorrow I'll listen again on Wednesday
1: <laughs> yeah
0: okay now so, uh, so, uh, we do go ahead we, we
1: didn't even do the points
0: yeah, we we need to do the
1: points for the Cup Series. Okay, so, all right, so the points, real quick. Um, we got Christopher Bell still leading the points. Ross Chastain in second, Kevin Harvick in third, Kyle Larson in fourth, Kyle Busch in fifth, Tyler Reddick in sixth, Martin Truex Jr. in seventh, and rounding out the top eight will be Ryan Blaney, since we since they do take the top sixteen into the Chase, and then from Correct. there, then we go to Alex Bowman, Alex Bowman who. uh uh, is the next one. Uh, Danny Hamlin sitting in 10th. Joey Logano in 11th. Uh, Brad Keselowski in 12th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 13th. William Byron, 14th. Chase Briscoe in 15th. And rounding out the top 16 is Chris Chris uh, Boucher. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, so far the wins have been spread out You know, we uh-huh. got William Byron with two wins Ricky Stenhouse with one Joey Legon with one, Tyler Reddick with one Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson have two, and Christopher Bell has one, so uh, It's neat to see Kevin Harvick up there in the third spot You know, this is his last season And uh, uh-huh. I know Kevin wants At least one more win before he uh, Before he says goodbye To the series
0: Yes, indeed, so we'll kind of Look forward to that uh, now, Sal, we've got a guest joining us here in a few minutes. Do you want to set of, uh, of him coming on the show?
1: Yeah, so our guest coming on. If you notice, we haven't talked about the Arca West series yet, but um, our, next, our, next, our next guest is. We had him on a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, when he won his first the West race at uh, at Arundel Speedway. While well, he doubled that feat this past weekend at Kern. On the Speedway, picking up the win for uh, Venturini Motorsports in the number 15, and it's kind of ironic because he had, he won it this week with a different crew chief. So he's had two mm. crew chiefs in the last two races. Who um, who
0: is his crew chief this week?
1: To, gosh, you know what? I had his name written down, and um,
0: oh, okay. And I can't get. Gosh, I got to look at it.
1: Yeah, I know. I had it written down and I <laughs> and I left all my notes in the car when I got out of the car. I was so tired. And then we can't okay. even go to the Arca page to see it. I know. But any but yeah, anyways he um I'm surprised your stories' you guys you guys didn't use a um you didn't use the press release, uh, Well let me when. look. I was just you?
0: gonna go through here and see if he mentions the uh crew chief in here. And I don't see it, but go ahead, uh, Sal. And uh, yeah, so do the little build-up
1: yeah, so, here. Yeah, so he, yeah, so he won it after going a going a lap down because of uh, what what NASCAR deemed uh, that he jumped to start to start the race. So he had to come in on the drive-through and go back out it was a lap down. Worked his way up, finally got the lap back, and then at the halfway break, they came in and um, he went out and uh went by landon lewis did a couple of uh quick um okay here we go his uh his crew chief was 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 monin mo-, huh? mo monin 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 robin was his crew chief okay yeah, so actually, he's he's a crew chief. He's he's an engineer for for entering motorsports. So he he stepped in for um for uh, uh for Kevin um for Kevin Reed, who was out who had other duties this past weekend. So uh, it was neat. It was neat to see him winning you know, with, with two crew chiefs, and uh, just really dominated the the second half of the race when they when they came out from the halfway break. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Okay, so, um, yeah, that was really cool. Uh, Let's see, I've got two numbers here. I wonder which one he is. (laughs) Um, Sal, let me figure out which one of these is uh, Sean, and then uh, I'll get right back to you.
1: Okay, he'll be a, he will be, I will tell you the area code. He'll be a 949 area code.
0: Okay, I've, both of these are nine four nine area codes. Okay, but now I've got it here. I've got one number up here. I'm going to assume that's him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. So.
1: Okay, so I uh, we we should we should have our guests on the show now um, with uh, Sean Hingarini. Uh We want to welcome you back to the show. Congrats on the on the win this past weekend at Kern. I know it wasn't the dominating win that you had at orlando, but you know, it's a little bit more exciting, a lot more racing, and I'll tell you, it was it was really neat to see you back at Victory Lane. What was really neat was to get the time to really talk to you, you know, during during the day on Saturday, you know, and talk about different things other than racing, of course. But um, you know, this show is all about racing, and it's all about talking about you and the and the victory and um and all the fun your, your team had. So with that, Sean, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So it was um. Yeah, go
3: ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. Tell us about the yeah, win. It, it was an exciting win down at Kern for sure. Uh, we went the lap down early on, which was we knew it was going to be tough to get back through the field, and we were able to make it happen. The car was really uh, good on the long run. So we had a l- long green flag run, and the car was uh, – stayed underneath me, it was really good, and uh, we were able to get by the uh, leader, get our lap back, and uh, I think after the break, we ended up in sixth place, Um, so we were able to get to the lead from there after the break, so it was uh, pretty exciting, going going lap down, we definitely knew it was going to be a really big challenge, and uh, we made it happen.
1: So when when the race starts and, and NASCAR tells you, you know, you you start your race and they get on the radio and they say, you know, number 15, you know, you jump to start, you know what, uh, you got to come into a drive-through. What's the first thing that goes to your mind at that time, especially being a young driver, you know, this is your rookie season, you know, getting used to the series, you know, getting used to just, um, you know, just the racing format and all that. Because in the other series, it seems like, you know, Care how how far you jump, they're gonna let it go.
3: Yeah, um, Arca has their rules, and I mean, you're not gonna they're they're gonna enforce it no matter who it is or what happens. You just gotta follow them, and it really sucks that that happened. Um, he fired before me. Uh, I just beat him a little bit to the start finish line. It was a really close one, but. You know, it's a game of injuries. They if they call it. I mean, you got You got to serve your penalty. So we served our penalty, and we were able to get back on track and get our lap back. So I mean, it all, it wasn't all bad, but definitely not what we wanted.
1: So this was the first time, crew chief. This is, of course, you know, this was his first win. What is what is it? What's it like? You know, when you're on the radio, you know, with your crew chief, you know, you're kind of used to Kevin, you know, and you know, and then you have a uh, yeah, while well, Moan telling you on the what exactly you tell you on the radio, you know, when, when you when he told you to come back when you had a Quint for the drive through and then how does he settle you down, you know, as a driver to say, Hey, you know what? The race has just started, we still have hundred and fifty hundred and forty nine laps left.
3: Yeah, my spotter Billy Venturini, he let me know that we did him for the line, pit road and uh, you know, that we had to just we went a lap down and we had to do what we had to do. So, um, not, like I said, not much you can do about it, but um, they talked me through it real good. We were able to get through a lot of traffic, get, get by everyone nice and clean. And, um, yeah, my crew chief, Monin, uh, this weekend, he's our, he's normally our team's engineer. He crew chiefed me this weekend, did a really awesome job. Um, it was his first win, so I'm super excited uh, for him on that. And, uh, you know, he did an awesome job this weekend.
1: You know, and then as you know, as the race as the race starts playing on, you know, you, you know, you guys are laps, of, you know, getting in the laps, and then the, and then you know, we had those those two last uh, restarts, and it looked like Trevor Huddleston was about ready to uh, pull a Todd Sousa on you, and or, you know, uh, Landon Lewis, you know, I know you and Landon, you know, you guys have your, you guys had your, you know, your moments and the legends. You know, what was going through your mind, you know, when Trevor got up to you, know, and kinda you know, kinda got real close to your back bumper.
3: Yeah, I mean, three laps to go, right? And everyone wants to win. Um they're gonna do whatever they can do to win. Anyone. Um he knocked on the back door a little bit getting into one. So, um I knew I had to sail it off into three. I mean, luckily I was able to gather it back up in between one and two. I didn't get too bad of a drive off of uh two sailed it off into three, cleared um, just drove off into the sunset.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, it was it was a very impressive win. So as 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 this race is playing out, so far you've gotten two wins on you know, I'm you know I'm going to say two of the fastest tracks on the you know for the West Series because. When you guys go to Phoenix, you know it's an open race, you know for Arca, Arca East, you know, and, and you know anyone who wants to come a race. But technically, these are your two fastest tracks, you know, for the West Series, and you were able to get the two wins on them. So, how does that make you feel? You know, going into you know, to the rest of the season, you know, when you got Portland coming up, which is going to be a, a a road course, and then you still got a couple of little short tracks coming up.
3: Yeah, I got an outstanding group of guys behind me. They know what they're doing um, at all sorts of places, whether it's a long track, short track, road course, whatever it is, they know what they're doing. I'm very confident in what they can do. And um, I just drive it, and it goes fast. So, I mean, just looking to go fast to all the other tracks and see what we have for them.
1: So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a different Angle now, you know before I pass over because I know Sharon has a whole bunch of questions But I'm going to take it a, a different a different route now during the race weekend You get there you uh You know you guys get ready, you know get the car prepped, you know and then practice and qualifying So what does the driver do in between all that time? You know when you're sitting in the hauler, you know, or you know wh- you know whatever you might have, you know to relax in during all that time what 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 is the driver doing while you guys are waiting, you know, to get back in the car?
3: Um, you know, there's always something to do, whether it be, you know, in between qualifying the race, and autograph session, or in between uh, practice and qualifying, you know, just try to drink a lot of water, maybe have lunch. Just you know, you never you never really get a lot of time to relax at the racetrack. You're always doing something, so there's always you know something to do, and it's pretty busy. Um. Yeah, not not too much
1: You know, and then It comes, you know, of course, you know You know, practice, And you guys come in You know, they they work on the card a little bit And you go out for qualifying, you come back For qualifying, and then comes the Comes the time for the fans You know, the fans, you know, time, you know, to come out And have, you know, the autograph session, you know And they get, you know, get a chance to talk to you And, you know, ask for autographs And stuff what What is the one question, if you can remember of any fan that's ever asked you, what would you say, what was the, the one most interesting question that was ever asked of you by a fan? Um,
3: I wouldn't say there's something that's particularly interesting, but there's one common question I get asked a lot, and it's how fast do I go on the, on the racetrack? like how fast do the cars go. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's something more interesting. I'd say it's something that's, that, that's more common.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Sean, it was a lot of fun this weekend. It was a lot, it was neat, you know, to see, you know, get the, you know, get your second win, you know, of course, it's always neat to see, you know, your, you know, the support you get from your family out there, you know, and, and, and your team, you know, you, you know, you watch, you know, all the different teams that you race for, you know, they all work hard, you know, they all have their own, their own agenda, you know, you know, per se. So as you're coming down, you know, you work with, you know, you drive for Derek Thorn, you drive for Venturini, you know, and whoever else, you know, you're driving for Nascimento. So what what would you say is, is the biggest difference between all these different teams, if you had to take one thing from each team to make it, you know, to put it together, because I know the ARCA right now is, is your main focus. So when you look at all these teams, is there something that you take from each team, you know, to be successful as you are in the
3: ARCA series? Um, all of them guys run great programs, uh, a lot of learning experience to take away from it, a lot of key time. Um, you know, the Nascimento did a great job, got a lot of races in with them, uh, won races with them, great program, uh, Derek Horn, ran a few races with him, I mean, outstanding super late model program, he's one of the best, uh, we've good in the stars, so, then Venturini, just Another awesome program. I mean, I've just been uh, very thankful and uh, happy to be part of such good programs. Hmm.
1: Okay, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon, and uh, I know she has some questions for you. Sean, I just want to say congratulations again, and you know, uh, and, uh, good luck the rest of the season.
3: Thank you. I, I also want to give a shout-out to Troy. I know he's on here right now listening. and does a great job with all the social media stuff. Okay. okay, well Go ahead, sure
0: Okay, well Again, Sean, thanks for being here again uh, Real happy to see you get that Back-to-back victory uh, This weekend at Kern County Raceway Park And I'm super excited for Venturini Motorsports Because uh, they are Typically known as A uh, Midwest Team And uh I followed Venturini Motorsports for a long, long time in the ARCA Menard Series, and to see them venturing out into the ARCA West now and getting wins so quickly uh, is really exciting. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Because a lot of people probably aren't as familiar with Venturini Motorsports out there as we are here.
3: Yeah, uh, they haven't uh, been to a lot of the West Coast tracks. I mean. And it's like they they uh, they've been to Kern before, they haven't been to Irwindale. Um, so just it just shows how awesome their program is. I mean, they can they showed up to the track with a just outstanding car, you know. And uh, and Billy Venturini, for him to be able to make the West Coast race the whole season happen is absolutely huge. I mean, it meant the world to me since I live out here on the West Coast, and all I want to do is just run as many arc races as possible and. Running the West Coast is, like, it's just so awesome to be able to do that, especially with such a great team.
0: It it really is uh, pretty awesome for you to get that chance with Venturini Motorsports and and to race with them. And it was a doubleheader for Venturini this weekend because, as you know, Jesse Love won the race out at Talladega uh, this weekend, and they showed uh, uh, Big Bill on the phone with Billy Venturini. Talking about the win and and wishing him luck uh, at Kern, so uh, it it really is kind of a big deal uh, what you're doing out there with Venturini Motorsports. And then add on to that that you're the first Native American uh, to win uh, in in, I think in in uh, in, are you the first Native American in all of motorsports or just uh, the Aramane Art series?
3: Um it's actually first Indian but um it's in all of NASCAR, Um whether it be artics, can trucks, cups, uh just any any uh, NASCAR so of
0: Indian descent. Okay, I'm sorry.
3: Yes, yeah, of Indian descent from India, um not Native American. But um Oh, yes, okay, I'm sorry.
0: My my apologies. Um so yeah, that's pretty cool that you're able to do that. Uh, with Venturini Motorsports and be the first uh, of Indian descent uh, to win a race. Uh, I, I think that's uh, pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, it is awesome. I mean, like I said, uh, these guys do a great job. My crew chief just so good this weekend, and I'm super excited to get the win. I mean, he worked his butt off in the shop, and uh, he really deserved this win. So, I mean, just to see uh, how happy these guys are to be able to work on my cars, and they just want to win as much as I do. So I mean, got the right guys that we're working with here.
0: Okay, well, uh, I'm a little short on time here, unfortunately, Sean. Uh, and but uh, I hope we we get a chance to talk with you again somewhere down the road here. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there's probably some more wins in your future. So, Sean. Uh, Hingarani, uh, who do you want to give a shout-out to before we uh, say goodnight here tonight?
3: Uh, Mobile One Racing, GearWrench, uh, Fidelity Capital, Toyota, Venturini Motorsports, Derek Thorne, Kruchi Monin, Billy Venturini, everyone who helps out. I know I'm forgetting some people, but um, just so many people that help out, and I can't thank them enough for making everything happen.
0: Absolutely. You, you've really uh, done a really good job with them. And uh, I'm sure that they appreciate uh, racing with you. Now, I know you're at Sean Hingarani on uh, Twitter, and you're also available on Facebook. Where else are you available to follow?
3: On Instagram, uh, Sean.Hingarani. And I also have a website, SeanHingarani.com.
0: Okay. Okay, well, we'll look forward to uh, asking you some more questions on the next go-around here, Sean. And uh, your next race is coming up, so uh, good luck on that. When is your next race? Thank
3: you for having me, and uh, thank you. Uh, My next race is down at uh, Dover.
0: You're going to be at Dover this weekend. Awesome. We'll look forward to seeing you there.
3: Sounds good. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, good night now.
3: Bye.
0: Uh, All right, that is Sean Hingarani, the first of uh, Indian descent. I don't know where I got Native American, but of Indian descent. And uh, it's really cool to see him doing so well with Venturini Motorsports. Um, But we have to move on now, Sal, to the ARCA West series. Uh, we covered part of it uh, talking to the race winner here, um, but the uh, uh, I tell you what, Landon Lewis uh, ended up third uh, in this in this race, and he's got to be wondering what does he have to do to get a win because uh, right now he's going to have to get through Sean Hingarani if he's going to get a win in this race. He ended up finishing second.
1: But yeah, he was
0: the gonna, driver to beat
1: for uh, most of the race. Yeah, all of are thinking the same thing. Even Trevor, I talked to Trevor a little bit after the race, and he said the same thing. He goes, "Man, he goes, we got to get to Sean." To, uh... and he he said he goes he goes when I got to the back he goes I don't he goes I just wanted to let him know I was there and see if I could just if he would just move a little bit he goes I didn't want to drive through him.
2: Mm-mm. And he goes
1: he goes, I just wanted to just to touch him, you know, and just, you know, let him know I'm there. He goes, and he didn't move. <laughs> he says he said he didn't he says he um he lo he he said he moved up the track at tad and, and and gathered it. He goes, I was gonna go for it when but it was too late. He says he goes that there was no way I was gonna wreck wreck him. He goes, Now mm-hmm. had it been Todd Sousa yeah, he said had it been Todd or one of the other drivers, he goes, I would have he goes, Sally I go I know, I go you'd or or Jeremy Dossey goes out and drove right through him. He goes out and made sure that they're up in the wall, up in, I mean hard in the wall.
0: Well, this but, uh, is the second race in a row that Landon has finished second. Uh, Trevor actually ended up in third. Then it was Tanner Reif in fourth and Bradley Erickson rounding out the top five. Then Tyler Reif ended up in sixth, followed by Jake Bowman, Ethan Nascimento, Todd Souza, and Nick Joannidis rounded out the top ten.
1: Yeah, that was a good finish for Nick. Nick uh Nick Chilinides. We've we've had him on the
0: Chilinides.
1: we've had him on the show before. Um mm-hmm. he's a he's an old school guy sharing from Miami from way back in gosh, way before our days. <laughs> mhm. You know. But um
0: but you know, cool it was good to, to see him see him still racing.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and, and they're like one of the lower funded teams, you know, they're not they're not like the like the Venturinis or the um or what do you call it, the uh, Bill McInnallys, or the, or even when Bob Rucardi was here, like the Sunrise,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and um, you know, it, it was it was it was really neat to see the to see the, they were happy. You would have thought they had a win.
0: Yes, yes. Um, so it was very very cool, uh, and uh, to see all of these guys finish in the top ten. Uh, do you want to go ahead and cover the point standings, Sal?
1: Yeah, you're not going to believe the point standings.
0: I know. I saw I it this morning, and I couldn't believe it. I was wondering if it's messed up here. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. These are true. These are true. Okay. Cause I, I I went back and I and I and I checked the points. You got to okay. remember the first race out at first race out of Phoenix. He didn't have a he didn't have a good run. hmm So, um, anyways, we got Landon Lewis leading the points. Uh, and then. From there, then we go to Ty, Tyler Reif, who had the who had the one win at Phoenix. And you got to remember, he got a lot of points because it was uh, they had more cars. So depending on the right. cars, that's how you know, you know, so that's how the points. So, so
2: that's how I'm that thinking is. That's yeah. what
1: happened. I'm thinking that's how the East, because remember the East, they've had a couple. The last race, they only had what ten, twelve cars. Right. So yeah. they didn't really get that many points. So I'm thinking that's gotcha. why. I started doing the math on it, yeah, so anyways, I'm on top of that, so, so then we got Sean, Sean, and, uh, Hingarani in, in third place with, with, uh, with two wins, and then Trevor Hodlson in fourth with zero wins, Bradley Erickson, who's, gosh, Sharon, we're gonna, I'm gonna get this kid on, this kid is amazing, you will love this kid, Bradley is, <laughs> him and his, him and his family are really great, um, yeah, I feel so bad. He's had so many second place finishes, and you know, throughout the series, this is SRL included. But um, mm-hmm. he's um, he's he's ready to pop. He's ready to do. He's ready for a win, whether it be here or or, um, or in the SRL series. And then Tanner okay. Ripe, who we had on the show last year. Yeah, um, he's he's the one and only Bill McAdeli Racing driver. Um, I talked to Bill about the team. So if we have time, I'll I'll, I'll fill you in on what Bill told me. And then seventh oh, okay. is Kyle Keller, who's who's from Vegas. Eighth is Todd Sousa. Ninth is Takuma Koga, who's having another great season
2: <laughs> in the top
1: is. ten. And uh, then tenth is David Smith, who car his car blew up right when oh, he got okay, out. Oh so, <laughs> my Yeah,
3: <laughs> right,
1: right by where I was. All of a sudden, boom! I see the explosion. I was like, "What the heck?" I thought it was a fireworks right. show. And so, anyways, that's the top ten. So we have we got. We got uh, two full-time drivers that, that come from out of state. David comes from uh, Canada, and Takuma uh, still flies in from Japan.
0: He does. I, I really so, admire yeah, him.
1: Terrific. Okay, yeah.
0: we're going to have to try to get Takuma on the show one of these days. I love saying his name, Takuma Koga.
1: Yeah, we, we then, we'll get him on. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do that. He talks good English to a point, but he has one of the guys on his team who talks really good English. Oh, okay. And he's also from, he's also from Japan. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we can do this to where we can get them. I, I think I've talked to him thing.
0: before when he raced in the Arkham and art series at Iowa speedway, but, um, it's been a while and we haven't had him on the show, but, uh, I've talked with uh, their owner too. Um,
1: Shoot, his name's escaping me all of a sudden. Hattori well, was back, uh, to, back, then was, back then it was no, back then
0: it was Joe Nava was his owner. Takuma's oh, owner okay. was Joe Nava. Yeah. Okay,
1: well uh, Shiggy Hattori but but, but now has yeah. yeah. Yeah, but now now he's racing for um uh Jefferson Pitts.
3: But yeah, oh, he, was, okay. he was running
1: with Joe Nava. he was running for Joe Nava back then. Um oh, okay. and then now he's running for um now he's running for Jefferson so Pitts, with but he always takes us. St- well, I talked to Bill and, and he's, he's excited about what's going on with the truck program right now. Of yes. course, who wouldn't be, you know, he's got Christian neck. you know, who's already won races, you know, and, and he's got a uh, Jay Garcia, you know, who's about ready. Another one's about ready, mm-hmm. you know, and I asked Bill. I go, Bill, what's going on with the West team? It seems like, you know, like you really, you know, not really, you know, you only got one car. And um, he just he just feels that the West just isn't where, you know, right now, you know, where he should invest his money he, because he says the trucks are really expensive to run. He says, and now that I got two good drivers, he goes, you know, he goes, you yeah, know, he goes, it, he goes I like the direction. Yeah,
0: it's of resources now.
1: Exactly. And he says, he goes, and I like the direction we're taking. I go, you know, I go, the direction yeah. you guys are taking is, is awesome. I said, because I said, I said, uh. Christian has always been a uh, goodwill man. I said, Jake Garcia, i followed him for a long time. I said, you know, I said, Jake is, he's just, you know, Jake's thing is he's never run these tracks before. Christian has. So when they got Christian, Christian is helping Jake come through the ranks right now. So so Christian is basically um, Jake's driver
0: coach. Yeah, I think that's
1: awesome. so he's kind of the driver coach, but um, as far as the future of Bill Back Valley Racing in the West Series, I I really don't know. You know what?
0: Um, I'll tell you what. I, we've got out. East drivers driving for West Coast teams, and we've got West Coast drivers driving for East Coast teams.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what's going on you know, here,
0: Sam?
1: So? Oh, I know. You know, and uh, you know, and then uh, then you got Tacoma, who comes from Japan for the past. He's got yeah. over a hundred starts. He has over 100 starts in the, in the NASCAR East in the NASCAR West Series, over 100 oh. starts.
0: Wow, that's, that's amazing. Of. We have got unheard to get of. him on. over
1: 100 starts. I know. I'm trying yeah. to find. a – trying we to find. We need to do a
0: feature article on Tacoma Koga.
1: I'm trying to find a way to get him, but we have to get. We have to get. A, we're going to have to get an interpreter.
0: Oh, okay.
1: You know, so okay. I'm, I'm trying to get one of his guys you know to interpret for
0: us we'll have to see if we can work that out um so i'm 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 excited uh about uh takuma being in the top 10 again this season and uh definitely looking forward to uh seeing what happens for the rest of this season with sean hingarani and uh landon lewis we've got to try to get landon on the show too Remember, remember it used oh, to be uh, Cameron uh,
1: Haley who I was uh, the number two guy you all the time. And Eric time and I, Eric I, I talks to Landon and he he goes, Sally goes, just I know I just got to get a hold of Candice, Candace, Candace Hornaday, which is Ron Hornaday's daughter. She's mm-hmm. the one. She's the one that's running with Landon. And I, she wasn't there this week. She's she's was she was in Europe this weekend. But oh, and Landon okay. says he goes, I want to come on. I want to come on. I go. I know Landon. I go. I, I, let me get a hold of Candace. I go on okay. um, but, but she's I in Europe, and, yeah, I mean, Well, in two. the next couple of, the next couple of weeks, oh no, I, I'll, I'll just call her. Cause she's always okay. telling me, Sal, when do you want them? and I says, you know what? I, you know, I want to get them after, after a race, but, um, but like mm-hmm. I said, she's in Europe right now. So w- within the next week or two, and then he was up in, um, he was up at the legend nationals um, in between so it was hard to get him because when they race the legend nationals they race during the week
0: right right they okay well I'm glad week, to know he you know. wants to come on oh uh, no he
1: does um, he's a bugger yeah he's been thing you know and I'm like Landon, I know man I said you know what and, and, and an uh, update
0: on our uh, remember Jason Schultz Sal yeah Jason Jason Schultz was a producer for the Dale Jr. download Uh, for quite a while and recently he just made a change he's now working over at track house racing uh, with the social media uh, lead so I'm pretty excited for Jason Schultz I'm trying to see if we can get him back on the show
4: well there's there's a kid over here they used to work at Arendelle
1: on a car and now all of a sudden I find out that he's one of the engineers at Penske. He's working on um, Brian Blaney's car. Oh wow, that's awesome! I just I just, sa- I just come found on out. The show. I just found out two weeks ago that Nevada Chovin is working for um, as an engineer with uh, Penske.
0: Yeah, see if you can get him to come on the show. They have well,
1: a different perspective like like Layton- Yeah, well, that's like Layton Sibley, Remember.
2: Mm-hmm. We I had Leighton on
1: from, uh, he was yeah. with, um, oh, I forget who he was with, but now he's with, uh, now he's with um, Jimmy Johnson's group. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, oh, uh, Legacy Motors, Motor Club.
1: Legacy, yeah. Yeah, he moved yeah. over there, but Leighton started out over here as nothing. He wasn't doing nothing. He was just over here as a fan.
0: Yeah.
2: And all what? of a sudden he gets so a PR job.
1: Himself, so? Yeah.
0: I always tell him he got us started fan for racing radio.
1: <laughs> no nobody ever remembers us.
0: <laughs> well, I I met him at Chicagoland Speedway. He gave me a big hug and said you'd be surprised how much I learned from being on the radio show. It's amazing.
1: Oh, I know. I we I, I get a lot of it. I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot, you know, I talk a lot a lot a lot of the drivers, you know, they enjoy like Sean. His dad yep. his dad yep. is just JD is just ecstatic. Troy, this PR guy and stuff like that. But other than okay, that Okay, well yeah. we're
0: gonna have to sign off, so
1: Yeah, we're gonna Oh, I'm tired. It was a long weekend. So I'll be off this weekend. I'll be off the next weekend. I'll be off the next two weeks. I told you earlier I'm not gonna be at no tracks. I gotta I gotta take a hiatus. Yeah,
0: you're gonna take and, a break and, here.
1: I need to gather my, my marbles and gather my thoughts. And I got to think about my health. I'm not a young man anymore. Oh, okay. Anyone, yeah, old, we, we don't older, want you, you in the know.
0: hospital again.
1: No, shut No, I don't, I don't like looking at hospitals. But anyways, you guys have a good show. Um, thanks again. And, and we'll talk to everybody next week. And uh, other than that, have a good evening. And uh, stay safe this weekend. And, uh, and, and enjoy your families. Right. Oh,
0: okay, will do. And you get some rest, Sal. Thanks for everything. All
1: right.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, we're actually a minute past the top of the hour, but it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Sal and I doing some catching up there on some things. And uh, let's welcome our group here to the show. We're going to start. Uh, let's start with Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy.
5: Thank you, Sharon. Good to be on tonight, as always. How are you doing?
0: Uh, doing well. Uh, I was uh, telling Sal, you, I'm sure you'll remember Jason Schultz. Remember Jason yes, of Schultz? Course. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he, he was the uh, uh, one of the producers on the Dale Jr. Download for uh, quite a few years, and now he's over at Trackhouse Racing, so <laughs> I'm uh, pretty excited for him.
5: Yeah, fan for racing alumni, uh, that's done really well. Um, yeah, Jason's kind of made a name for himself in racing, and, uh, yeah, it's fun to see his sure progression has. for sure. Yep, um, I'm super,
0: really excited for him. Uh, also, uh, we have on the show here Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
4: Thank you, Sharon. Pleasure to be here tonight. uh, I kind of feel how Andy and Mike feel now. I didn't get to be on the show Thursday, so it's been a whole week, and I feel lost. Like, I haven't talked to you guys in forever, so (laughs) I'm glad to be back (laughs) on tonight.
0: Well, we're glad to have you here, Jay. Um, And then, also, we have Michael Orzel on the show here.
6: Good evening. Good to be back.
0: It's uh, definitely good to have you here. All right, Uh, Mike, we're going to start with you for the first hot topic.
2: Well,
6: kind of rolling in a few of them, uh, start with some really, really good news. Blaine Perkins was involved in a very hard crash this weekend at Talladega, Saturday during the Xfinity Series race. He was taken to the hospital locally in Birmingham, checked out, and was released Saturday. I think it was either Saturday evening or Sunday morning. So Blaine Perkins checked and released from the hospital. It looks like he's okay. And that kind of leads into the, the hot topic here, some very, very hard crashes this weekend at Talladega. We mentioned Blaine Perkins. Also, as part of that same incident, Dexter Stacy hit the inside wall extremely hard. He was okay. But probably the biggest impact of the weekend was at the end of the NASCAR Cup Series race, Ryan Priest came up and hit Kyle Larson as Larson was spinning and crossing back across the track. Uh, Priest hit Larson so hard that it caved in the passenger side door. If it was a passenger car, that would be where the passenger door is. Caved in the roll cage there, and both drivers were checked and released from the infield care center. They're okay, but NASCAR uh, initially took the number five car of Kyle Larson to the R&D center. For analysis, and now today we got word that they also requested, and Stewart House Racing gave them the Ryan Priest car from that incident, assuming to research and make sure that uh, the the car performed the way they expected, and make any improvements necessary to make them safer in the future.
0: Okay, um, so that's one big topic there. Jay, <laughs> do you want to go ahead and start?
4: Well, it is Talladega, and we tend to see uh, a certain amount of wrecks for sure. Uh, it's been a while, I think, since we've seen the barrel roll like we saw with Blaine Perth. Um, honestly, of the ones that we saw come out of that, I really thought uh, Stacey's hit was the hardest with how he hit pit wall. It's the extension, and uh, fortunately, they now have the safer barriers there. Um but the extension where it is angled outward a little bit so that the safety vehicles can park behind that and make a quick exit out onto the track um, and go either direction they need. Um, So that, to me, actually appeared to be the hardest hit, if you will. Um, But Blaine Perkins, it's good to hear that he's okay and and been released. Uh, I know they said when they checked him, it was a precautionary thing that they took him to the local medical facility, and he he stayed there for observation. When to the cup side, another very unique one, uh, we hadn't seen that of it tearing into a car. And I think that's why they requested the Ryan Priest car was to see if they can determine the type of contact that was made and how it dug into the side of another car. And I believe it was Dave Moody that had tweeted talking about how the reinforcement is heavier on the driver's side, obviously, to protect the driver. Um, that they may have to look at that as far as the reinforcement bars and padding that they have on the passenger side, if you will, as Mike said, the passenger side door on a normal car. Because um, yeah, we hadn't seen something like that. I not like that anyway. So something that they want to look at of how Priest's car looked in. Like I said, of the, whether it be the splitter or something. I'm not sure what exactly dug into it like that. Might be one of those of. As as we've seen with walls, when they hit the wall, just a freak accident, you don't think there's any way it can happen, but uh, they tend to find that way it manages to happen somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Andy?
5: Yeah, we saw some, obviously, some pretty tough wrecks this weekend. Uh, Talladega has been known to produce, you know, big crashes like that, but it uh, seems like this past weekend we saw some really really hard hits for sure um you know that the 66 xfinity car hit really hard as we saw and then um the blaine perkins crash one of the more violent wrecks i think that you know i can remember at least in recent years um that car actually had the roof ground down to where it developed a hole in the roof and the windshield and that was from grinding into the track so Um, certainly a violent hit there. I believe Blaine was kept at least a night or two in the hospital. Thankfully has been since released. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think, uh, the most, the, the craziest wreck of the weekend would have to be the Ryan priest Kyle Larson wreck because, um, I've never seen a frame come apart like that inside of a car, at least not to my knowledge, And that's, you know, the last 22 years of watching the sport. So, obviously, a a violent, violent wreck and something catastrophically broke in the right side of the car. And we've seen some violent impacts like that in the past. So, um, yeah, obviously, it's a good thing that both the 5 and the 41 will go back to the R&D center so that they can learn and try to improve upon frame construction possibly because – To my knowledge, that's not something we ever saw with the older cars. Um, So, you know, it's obviously the result of a really, really hard impact, a freak impact, if you will. But just have to be thankful that that wasn't a driver's side impact. What comes to mind for me, um, something that would closely relate to that would be, um, if you guys remember the Steve Park Busch Series accident at Darlington in 2001 that really – I shaped the rest of his career um, a violent driver's side impact. And I can only think that, you know, had that been a driver's side impact for Larson, that we would not have been uh, seeing him do a post-race interview. So thankfully not hurt in that accident could have been a lot worse. Thankful that nobody was seriously injured this weekend, but um, yeah, some just violent wrecks that um, really hopefully can be learned from to make these uh, cars even safer. And obviously that's the goal for for NASCAR, and we've seen a huge evolution in safety over the last 20 or so years, and it'll only continue to get better. And thankfully, um, you know, if there is a good outcome from these accidents, it's that NASCAR can learn from them and make things better moving forward.
0: Okay. Okay. Um... With regard to Blaine Perkins' accident, yeah, it's one of those accidents that you hold your breath until it's all over and you see him get out of the car. Uh, Blaine is one of those drivers that we followed his career from very early on, and uh, uh, Sal did mention tonight that he had a chance to um, text with him, and uh, Blaine says he's doing okay uh, at this point. He's ready to get back in the car, but... Uh, it's still not determined if he's going to be ready to get back in the car for this weekend's race. So uh, we'll have to kind of wait for an announcement there as to whether or not he'll be racing or when he'll be racing again. But I could kind of tell when he got out of the car, he was stunned. Uh, and I was—I I really wasn't too surprised when they said that they were taking him off-site uh, for further evaluation, because uh he just didn't seem like himself when he got out of that car and uh I'm glad that they did what they did to kind of uh take care of him um and look after him after that accident because that was scary uh with regard to uh the Dexter Stacy uh, that was another really uh horrific hit uh that he took Uh, He was able to get out of the car, and and they were able to actually do an interview with him, which, uh, again, I was thanking NASCAR for the safety uh, features that they have inside the car. And then the accident with Ryan Priest and and, um, Kyle Larson happened, and the first thing I thought is exactly what you brought up, uh, uh, Andy, and that is he is so lucky that that hit on the passenger side and not the driver's side, um, because you could see where the roll bar was actually twisted and bent inside that car. Uh, So that should not have happened, and I think that's what NASCAR was thinking when they saw the car and said, we need to take this back to the R&D Center and figure out what happened here because we don't want that to happen again. Um, Godfather Moody brought up an excellent point, though, too, Jay, uh, that the the strongest reinforcement is uh, those bars that surround the driver. Uh, But, again, you don't want that thing bending anywhere. So um the roll cage bending at all. So that's why NASCAR took it back to the R&D center. I give NASCAR kudos for doing everything they can uh, to investigate it and uh analyze it and try to come up with a plan for how they can avoid it from happening again. And I think it was just a matter of time before they asked for the Ryan Priest car to also come in uh, because that's the car that hit him. So they need to analyze uh, you know the damage from Ryan's car and how he hit the car and why it it uh, literally destroyed uh the passenger side of that car um, so i uh, am just happy that uh, NASCAR did everything they could uh, to make that uh, to to try to make improvements. Uh, to avoid that from happening again, because the last thing, uh, thank God it didn't hit the driver. It's just a a really blessed thing that he was not actually hit. Uh, But I think it it was a blessing in all three accounts of the accidents that we're highlighting here, uh, that these drivers were not hurt worse. Uh, I know they said for Blaine, his eyes were pretty badly bruised, uh, so... Uh, that's, that's part of the injury that he, that he went through. Uh, but Mike, what are your thoughts?
6: So we're kind of talking about three different incidents here, and yeah. we've rolled them into one because we're talking about hard hits at Talladega. And to be honest with you, the one that I was surprised with, I, I was surprised that Blaine Perkins was the one who was the most shaken up out of all of those because the overarching thing here is about energy dissipation. And the the flipping rolling accidents like what Blaine had are usually they look dramatic, they look violent, but from a physics standpoint, they're actually less dangerous than a hard impact like what Dexter Stacy or Ryan Priest encountered because the energy of the race car is able to dissipate more slowly as the car is tumbling. Remember some of the the safety discussions we had with regard to the car last year? Now, I think it was Kevin Harvick was talking about where – you don't think it's, you, you think it's a bad thing when you see all these parts and pieces flying off the car, but that's actually a good thing because that's energy being carried away from the car and not being transmitted into the driver, which is why the Dexter-Stacy impact on the inside wall looks so, so much worse because there was no energy transfer. It was all just an immediate... Race car into the wall, no other absorption or transfer from there. So glad to see that uh, that Blaine's back out of the hospital, and he's all right. Dexter Stacy was okay at the racetrack. Um, with regard to the Kyle Larson accident, I don't know. I, I'm, wait, I'm really interested to see what NASCAR says regarding this. I don't know that this is necessarily a failure of the roll cage. It's not necessarily a bad thing that that roll cage bends. Um, obviously on the driver's side, you're going to have to take a little bit more precaution because the, the, the driver sits a little bit more centered into the car than you and I do when we're driving a passenger car, but they are still biased to the left. So they can't build as much give into the roll cage on the left side of the car. But on the right side, they've got a little bit more margin there. And that may be by design. They allow that roll cage to bend when it faces an extremely strong impact like that, again, because it acts as a... We don't, we don't think of steel as soft in a cushion, but in this case, when you're talking about 3,400-pound race cars hitting each other at 150, 180 miles an hour, that steel, as it bends, it becomes a cushion, and it soaks up that energy from the other race car there. So that may have been a design feature when they were building that car for if these guys take a really hard hit on the passenger side, we've got 18 inches, 2 feet, whatever the distance is here, that we can build in a little bit of deformity in this metal here so the metal can bend and it can absorb that energy and it doesn't get transferred into the driver. Remember the discussion from last year, the big problem with the rear end on the race car was it was too stiff. It wasn't bending. It wasn't absorbing the energy from impacts, And as a result, that energy was going into the driver. So good to see that Kyle Larson is okay. I'm, like I said, very very interested to see what the results from the R and D center are here. But I wouldn't be so quick to say, hey, this is a failure of the car. And if it had been on the on the driver's side, Kyle would have been killed because the car would have fa- it would have failed in the same way. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Let's let, before we start getting all too wound up about, hey, this car is dangerous. He's, he, the only reason Kyle Larson's alive is because he took the shot in the driver's in the passenger door instead of the driver's door. I don't think that that's that's, that's necessarily correct and I would want to hear word from NASCAR one way or the other whether this was actually a failure of the race car or if the race car performed more or less as designed because remember Kyle Larson and Ryan priest both walked away from that accident which is a very very good thing
0: yes it is. okay Jay, your follow-up
4: yeah and I, I just added that the uh, tweet from Dave Moody he says it's four times heavier sniffer enforced on the driver's side um, hopefully we don't have to compare that directly uh, with another incident like this. But I think it's good NASCAR is still looking into it. And as we mentioned, of taking the Ryan Priest car to see if there was something specific there, maybe the, the stiffness of the nose, the um, redesign of the, of the nose the way it is this year, of what caused that, to, that we've even seen something like this um, that we haven't seen in, in prior years. Overall, uh, we all mentioned it. Yes, Blaine Perkins did spend a little bit of time in the hospital for observation, and hopefully it will be cleared to race this weekend. All the others were cleared at the medical center. They're at the track. That shows the improvement in safety that we've seen in years past. Uh, talking about the Dexter Safety one, the safer barrier. Uh, if you watch that video, watch a shot like that where you can see what that safer barrier does As Mike said, it's the dissipating of energy. It doesn't come to a complete stop um, as that wall, the safer barrier, gives. And that one being open from the... See it very visibly, the wave that the wall gives. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the hugest innovations uh, that we've seen as far as NASCAR safety. Um, But they're not stopping. They're bringing both these cars to the R&D to see what they can do. Like Mike said, it might be that was... The car was designed to give a little bit more on that side, but how much do they want it to give um, as far as it getting into the other car then? So we'll have to see what they uh, determine from it, Uh, but I commend NASCAR for the job they're doing and trying to improve and make sure it's not any worse.
5: Okay, Andy. Yeah, I wanted to follow up with uh, something that Mike brought up in, in regards to the roll cage of Larson's car, you know, it is a good point to think that, you know, maybe that is by design that it would bend, you know, and break in which it would absorb the energy from the impact. So that is a good thing. Certainly, you know, more of the energy that's going into the car components versus the driver is what saves lives. And so um, certainly the car did its job, Kyle Larson's, walked out released from the care center giving an interview a mere minutes later. So certainly everything did its job as designed, but um, I just found it to be surprising just from the standpoint of, I'm not sure that I've ever seen this, um, a chassis component break like that before. So it would be interesting to to hear the findings from NASCAR down the road, if they ever discuss it in the future to see why that broke and, and if there's anything that can be done moving forward. But, um, you know, it is a really good point that that it was probably broken from the energy absorption from the crash. But, um, yeah, nonetheless, at the end of the day, everyone uh, released from either the care center or the hospital. And, you know, that's the big takeaway from, from all the incidents that we saw this weekend, which um, just in my mind, just some of the more violent wrecks we've seen at Talladega, in, at least in recent times,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it, it might be exactly as Mike said, and, uh, you know, it might be a, a, a good thing that it did bend. But I do applaud NASCAR for taking the time to look into it and analyze it, and maybe it bent more than they expected it to in that situation. I don't know, but, uh NASCAR has said that they want to be more transparent about these kinds of things, so uh I'm hoping that they do come out and kind of give us the word on what happened here and um and uh we'll 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 have a better understanding of uh whether that was supposed to happen or not uh but i I do thank Mike for bringing it up because it certainly is a possibility um uh it it all of those wrecks were had their own moments of being kind of scary uh we were very happy to see the drivers uh step away from their cars in all three of these cases or four if you count the fact that there were two cars involved in, in that last incident. um but um uh you know, NASCAR is, this is just an example of NASCAR constantly looking for what they can do to improve, and that it also reinforces the statement that we've made here uh, numerous times, and that is that NASCAR is ever-evolving. They never will achieve that perfect place or, you know, where things are just absolutely perfect. Uh, there's always going to be something that for them to look into, to uh, something that they can improve upon and do better. And that's what this is, an example of them looking at what they can improve upon and what they can do better. So kudos to NASCAR for that. And uh, again, we're thanking the Lord that uh, all of these guys were able to walk away and are safe. So, Mike, you get the last word here.
6: Really, nothing more to add. Like, like you said, the, the increased transparency that NASCAR has been pushing for uh, hopefully means that we're going to get some more detailed answers. You know I'm kind of a technical guy, so I would love to see a, a breakdown and analysis of exactly what happened, whether it was designed to happen like that or what changes they're going to make. I would dig right into that, and I, I really hope they do come out with something kind of in the weeds and, and let's, uh, let guys like me dig into it and learn something from
0: it. Well, I hope they don't get too technical because I want to understand what it is they're talking about.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Um, let's go ahead and move today now for the next topic.
4: Well, I, I'm with you, Sharon. I hope they don't be uh, too technical with it so that all race fans can understand it. I'm sure Larry McReynolds will do a good job of breaking it down. He always does, but... Um, I put up one, I know it was right as the show started, uh, I think it was Bob Pockress, uh maybe, no, well, it came out, I got it off JST, but we only have 36 entries, cut series entries for Dover, which is a relatively close track to most of the tra- uh, race teams, we have more than that travel to California, I'm a little bit concerned here with this
0: okay andy your thoughts about 36
2: entries on uh for the dover is that the cup race? yes
5: for the Uh, the cup race yeah so this is this is interesting um and we have seen this a couple times this year where only the chartered teams make the trip to uh, a particular cup series race and that would be the case at dover this weekend Um, It seems as if the open teams are simply picking and choosing which races to run, and I suspect a lot of that is driven by the purses available, um, which would be the bigger races, like your Daytona 500, Coke 600, um, Southern 500, amongst others. And so, um, Dover just isn't really on that list, Dover is just a plain Jane cup race, and You know, there's probably not a lot of incentive for an open team to show up. So, um, it seems like it it seems like the only real incentive for um, you know a full time entry to show up is to be a chartered team. Which right now it's only the 36 chartered teams that show up. So, um, unfortunately, we're going to see this probably periodically this year. Um, Would I like to see more teams involved? Yeah, absolutely. I think the more the better. Um, When, you know, you you look at the Daytona 500 where we had 40-something entries, knowing that some were going to go home, that reminds me of, you know, 20 years ago. And certainly we don't see that as much these days. So it's always nice to see more participants try to make the field of a Cup Series race or any NASCAR race for that matter but I think that the way that these teams are compensated, it benefits the charter teams, and there's only 36 of them. So, unfortunately, we're simply going to, at times, only see the charter teams show up, and, and Dover fits the bill this weekend.
0: Okay, Mike.
5: You want to make your announcement, or you want
0: me
6: to start off here verse?
0: Are we there already? Oh, my goodness, thank you. Um, Okay, Uh, we are at that time of the show where I do an announcement for our first-time listeners, and thank you, Mike, for uh, pointing that out. Uh, I just want to let our first-time listeners know that we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, but we are going to continue to record the rest of our conversation, so that means you're going to hear us go off the air uh, kind of mid-sentence and then in the middle of a conversation. So just know that we are recording, uh, so that that material will be available as part of our bonus overtime material on our, what I do is I go out on Twitter and Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, we have a player over at com, and you can just go, uh, fast forward the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, so again, we didn't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know how they can hear the rest of uh, our conversation when we go off air mid-sentence. So that, Mike, uh, let's go ahead and hear your thoughts.
6: All right, Andy kind of touched on it a little bit, but this is this is the ugly side of the charter system that NASCAR, NASCAR instituted about 10 years ago. They created this have-and-have-not system with these charters. And on the upshot, you've got much more stability for the long-term team owners. Uh, They like it because they have a guaranteed revenue stream. That charter has its own value. We've seen them selling for $10 million or more just for the charter. So there is a lot of value added with the charter system. However, the other side of that coin is this where we're going to have only the charter team show up to some of these races. Racing is expensive. Cup racing in particular is extremely expensive. I don't know that the Gen 7 car has delivered on the cost savings that were a goal for that car. I know last year a lot of team owners were explicitly saying it has not delivered on those cost savings. However, the intention was as the stockpile parts gets built up, the cost goes down and these teams are able to not spend as much money on the Gen 7 car in the long run. I'm not sure if that's materialized or not, but bottom line is if I'm running a open team, step one, I got to get a car. If I don't already have one that I'm sitting on, I got to find one and they're not cheap. Uh, And oh, by the way, sponsorship money is almost all dried up as well. And since I don't have a charter, I've got no revenue stream from NASCAR. So I've got to do this whole thing out of pocket, cost up uh, the number Coriola Joy cited for the cost of a Gen 7 Cup car is about $300,000 just to get it sitting on four wheels. So I've got to cost up three hundred grand just to come up with a Cup car to go race at a pick-a-date Dover. Uh, i got to go uh, cough up all that kind of money to, to go race And I'm still not going to make as much money as a charter team, even if I win the race. I might not make as much as a charter team who finishes 10th or 15th because I don't get that revenue share cut because I don't have a charter. So – The charter system, on one hand, has been very good and encouraging for long-term stable teams, but at the same time, I can't help but think it's had a little bit of a discouraging effect from the teams that are on the outside looking in or potentially wanting to get into the Cup Series. Dale Jr., for example, has cited the cost of the charter as a big reason why he has not expanded JRM into the Cup Series. And I'm sure there's plenty of other potential owners out there who have looked at just the cost of a charter and decided that maybe NASCAR racing isn't for them, especially not in the current economic
0: climate. Yeah, I think both of you guys have kind of hit it on the head. Um, uh, as much as NASCAR is seeking parity, uh, the charters system uh, still makes it a little tough for some of these underfunded teams to be able to make the show. Um, and part of it is risk versus reward as well. When you think about you're bringing a car, you've got to pay for hotel rooms, you've got to bring, uh, you know, everything you need for the car. Um, and it's not just hotel rooms for the driver, it's hotel rooms for your your crew members and everybody else that uh, supports the team. So it, it really is uh, tough on these teams, and they have to make a choice. They have to make a business uh, choice. For their business uh and what makes sense for them, and you're right about the, the sponsorship too. when you're short on sponsorship for a full season, you got to pick and choose which races can you go to. Dover is a a good track, but um uh it, it's not a Talladega type track where you're really, uh you have a high likelihood of damaging your car, but you can get a car damaged. Uh, going to a track like Dover as well. So in addition to the expense of hotel rooms, uh, the expense of the car, the expense of, um, uh, you know, travel, uh, and everything that goes into that, it just makes more sense for some of these teams to sit this one out, if you will. Um, We want to see more cars off the track. We want to see a full field in the field um but sometimes times are tight and this is this is one of those situations where times are tight uh, for a lot of these teams and they've got to make those tough decisions um hopefully uh nascar uh, i know that they're reviewing that they're looking at the charter teams and what they can do you know that we know that the teams and uh, nascar management have uh, regular meetings uh, where they sit and talk about these kinds of things. Uh, there's been a little bit of a hang-up there um, that I hope that they are going to get resolved And uh, because I know there was a recent uh, talk about how uh, some of the teams um, did not show up, or maybe all of the teams, I don't know, uh, didn't show up for a meeting uh, with NASCAR at some point. And uh, a lot of people said that uh, uh Compensation is one of those reasons. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll have to look and see how it uh, continues to progress. I know NASCAR wants to do their part to make it equitable for all the teams, uh, but it's going to be a tough nut to crack. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how this continues to evolve. Um, next up is Jay.
4: Well, I feel like I've been on this soapbox for a while. I don't know how long the charter team has been in place, but uh, prior to that, they also had the top 35 uh, in points locked in. First five races was from the previous year. The following year, um, once they got past the fifth race, they went by the current year. Um, there are some great benefits. Uh, as you all mentioned, the value of when a team owner decides to get out, such as Chip Ganassi, um, sold that charter and that team which was it was better to buy the whole team in the two charters than just one charter by itself for track house racing so that is a good thing i understand the pay distribution throughout the field um if you're a charter team you get a little bit more uh, i don't know as far as like mike said of winning the race if you're getting more than second place on down but there is some distribution there what i think they need to do though is look at Opening it up, you can race your way in as a non-chartered team. Qualify and race your way in. If a chartered team doesn't qualify, they may get some compensation just for being at the track, whereas maybe an open team wouldn't. Um, Again, add that to the list of benefits from that side. But clearly, this has been a deterrent from open teams multiple open teams other than a few exceptional races such as the Daytona 500 even showing up and attempting to make the show Um, and that's where I have the concern as I said with they at the Talladega short track I believe they had 63 late models somewhere in that neighborhood for 24 28 starting spot you get the best of the best at that point Understand, so giving provisional some exception to a series, regular, whatever it be, uh, but not as a whole. Everybody is racing for one of those twenty-eight starting spots. Not full. I, that I think they need to look at that and find a balance. I'm not saying they need to go away with the charter system, but find a balance to it to make it more encouraging. Um, and on the second go round here, I'll talk about why Dover. I guess would be my my question, but I'll hit that
5: on the second time round here.
0: Andy, your follow-up?
2: Yeah,
5: I I look at the, you know, the reasoning possibly of, of why, you know, this particular weekend we only see chartered teams versus, you know, not seeing more people show up to the racetrack. A lot of it, I think, has to do with um, just the money involved, in, and it's already been alluded to by, by some of you. But um, the cost, I think, is the big problem, and you know you've got to make it financially reasonable for someone to show up with a cup car if it's not going to make money uh there's no point in doing it and i think unfortunately unless you're a chartered team right now you're not in a in a financial position to to make it worth your while so until we can make this worth more than just thirty six teams is wild, and, you know, I think this is the dilemma we find ourselves in. Um, You know, and there was a time when there were far more car owners and far more people showing up to the racetrack each week, and I'd love to see it get back to that point, but unfortunately right now, unless you're a chartered cup team, uh, it probably only makes sense a few times a year to show up with with an extra car.
0: Okay. Uh, Jay? I'm sorry, Mike.
5: You mean Mike?
0: Yeah. I mean Mike. (laughs) Um, Andy nailed it.
6: Yeah, Andy nailed it. It's It's about making money. Cup racing, no one goes cup racing because it's fun. People go cup racing because there's big money in cup racing. If you want to have fun racing cars, there's a whole lot of different levels that you can go race cars and have fun and not spend nearly as much money as you spend going cup racing. So for our team to want to show up to a cup race, Step one, they have to be able to make good a good business case that they're not gonna absolutely lose their shirt by trying to, to show up at a cup race. And like I said in my first reply, with the current sponsorship environment, the current revenue sharing arrangement that NASCAR has, it, it's a very, very difficult case for somebody on the outside looking in at this charter system to make a good, strong business case of yes, I can put a car together, I can travel to wherever this race is, I can put everybody I need to in a hotel room. I can feed them. You know, all the associated expenses that Sharon laid out, and I could still at least break even at worst and maybe make money if we do okay. That, it's difficult to make that financial case right now. So how do you improve it? Jay had a couple ideas there. Um, again, it's tied to the sponsorship money. Uh, part of the reason that, The charter system came around is because sponsorships were starting to dry up when the system was developed. Obviously, it's gotten a lot drier since then, and NASCAR was cutting up the TV money in order to give a little bit more financial stability to the charter teams. Now that sponsorships even tighter, we see the teams are pushing back of we want a bigger cut of the guaranteed TV money so we don't need to go and get additional sponsorship. Well. Where did that first big cut of sponsorship of of charter money come from? Well, also, it used to be paid out as part of the purses for the race. So now the purses for the individual race, the money you could potentially win by showing up and doing well, that that has gotten cut down in order to feed these charter teams. So there's another loss of incentive for non-charter or open teams to show up to the racetrack. How do you improve it without getting more sponsorship or additional revenue streams? That's a tough one right there. I think that this problem is going to probably get worse before it gets better, and it's really going to come down to whatever deal that NASCAR can strike between the team owners and whatever the follow-on TV contract is going forward after the 2024 season. I think that is their opportunity to improve this system and hopefully start seeing more teams show up to the racetrack because they think they can actually have a good go at it, be successful, make a little bit of money in the process, and maybe, if there's room afterwards, maybe have a little bit of fun.
0: Yeah, I think you guys have all uh, expertly outlined exactly why this is going to be such a tough nut to crack. Um and uh, I won't steal uh, Jay thunder about why Dover, uh, but I have some ideas, and I, he and I usually think along the same lines. So I'll let him uh, kind of outline why he thinks it's Dover in this particular case. Jay?
4: Well, a, a couple of things changed. As Mike was talking, I don't know the purses for each of these races. I know NASCAR quit publishing that. Maybe some of those are, uh, even on the West Coast, a little bit higher purses due to the markets. Um, once you get to picking and choosing, or maybe they did start the season with the intent to run all the races, they've gotten to the point where they can't. Um, coming out of Talladega, obviously we, we talked about there were some wrecks and cars involved uh, that they don't have the car available to. Dover itself can be one that uh, Monster, uh, Miles the Monster tends to eat them up. Um, The more I thought about it, but something else Mike said was the parity with the next-gen car. And the cost of that, I think, is going to take a couple of years. You know, the initial changeover still costs you. We'll see that catch up. But Gover is one of those tracks, uh, and we've seen it when you look at the list of winners. Uh, Jimmy Johnson specifically comes to mind. That Talladega is an open. You've seen it. We've seen it. And, whether you get a top 10 finish or win the race, kind of opens itself up to anybody can win it. Dover is one of those of you got to know the track, you got to run well at the track. So I, I can see where that might come in play of they, just, they don't feel they have the Dover setup to even run with the guys to get a good finish. Um, so there are some things that I see. My initial thought, like I said, just a closer race. Um, we saw it earlier. This is the first year in a long time that I can remember it being down to the actual 36 charters. I think we've seen 37, 38 being fairly regular. Uh, other than Daytona, I can't remember the race where we actually had more than 40 and somebody had to go home. Um, you know, back in, the, in the, the early part of this, we used to see it. ARCA teams or Xfinity teams would get a car just because there were open spots that they knew they could fill in, show up make a couple laps, pull off the track, collect the uh, last place, finish money. And I know we weren't a fan of that, but I'm also not a fan of there not even being teams willing to commit to, to try and make the show for whatever the reason. I, I think it's something that NASCAR needs to look at.
0: Okay. Andy, it's your turn to bring up our next topic.
5: All right. Uh, looking at um, the fact that uh, possible changes coming to the short track package in the cup series. And I actually just read a few minutes ago um the possibility of them changing tire compounds to try to assist in making that package better.
0: Okay. Uh Mike, you're first up here.
6: I'd heard about the, the short track package changes. In fact I think I might have been the guy who posted it up in our our group. I had not heard anything about tire compound, but I'm very interested yeah, to I hear more. Uh, yeah. The um, the aerodynamics at a short track they matter, but they don't matter that much. It's not like a place like Talladega or Michigan, where a little bit of tape across the spoiler is going to have a major aerodynamic advantage. Like the, the what was the 24 team at the time with Chase Elliott, they got busted on TV peeling a piece of tape off of the spoiler. I think it was at Chicagoland because. That little bit of aerodynamic makes such a such a big difference in a place like that. Short tracks aren't like that. You can take big wholesale changes with the aerodynamics, either by design or by hitting a the fence. Uh, there's a lot of aerodynamic modifications that happen at places like short tracks, and it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference in terms of how the car performs, but tire compound certainly does. If you put more grip into the tires, you could potentially see better cornering, better handling, and potentially more passing. Or maybe they want to go in the other direction, kind of like what we talked about a couple months ago with the groove tires, reduce the grip, make the tires less grippy, make the car handle worse, make it slide more, make it harder to control. That might, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, it might put the, the race more into the driver's hands and give the guy who's best able to handle a bad-handling race car give them that, that advantage, that might be more entertaining because the first few short track races we've seen so far this year have been, um, to put it diplomatically, lackluster. So hopefully they are getting serious about doing something to improve the short track racing, whether it's an aerodynamic change or a tire compound change. Hopefully they do make some changes before we get back into the short tracks later
4: this summer. Okay, Jay? Well, this is one where I think we, we range uh, from ideas here. I haven't found the short track racing to be, I think Clint Boyer put it as sucks. Um, Mike just said lackluster. I haven't found it to be that. However, again, NASCAR is always looking to improve, which I, I applaud. One of the things I look at it from the aspect of they have the box so tight and narrow now. I'm not for the taking away all rules and having it an outlaw class run what you've run. However, widen the box a little bit and give these crew chiefs and engineers a little bit of playroom where they can try to find an advantage within the rules without having to push it all the way to the envelope. (coughs) Excuse me. So I know they've tried different things with the um, engine package, the spoiler package. Now they're, they're looking at tires. If that works, I'm all for it. But I think they need to look at that of of like I said, of loosening the reins a little bit on the crew chiefs and engineers.
0: Okay. Um Mike apparently uh NASCAR had a what they called a productive discussion with the Cup Series drivers over the weekend at Talladega uh to guide some of the changes of course they're package. Uh, so, some of those uh, drivers said that they saw no difference in the racing at Martinsville two weeks ago with the new package, or in some instances, they thought it was even worse than last year so um Denny Hamlin walked away from that meeting saying he felt very optimistic. Uh, I guess uh, NASCAR officials and representatives from Goodyear discussed several options that they could offer to try to improve the racing product. Uh, And Denny Hamlin and those guys, uh, some other folks left the meeting feeling optimistic about some of the changes that they were considering. So that's where the compound uh, tire changes came into play as a possibility of where they might make changes to the program and and that's fine with me i I kind of am in the same camp as um jay i really didn't think the racing was so terribly bad um we did see some drivers that were able to pass i i really think it comes down to we've got drivers uh that are not used to the parity of the race cars and they want to be able to have that extra oomph, if you will, to be able to pass the cars that are kind of in their way when they want to try to get to the front. Some drivers uh, are finding a way around those cars, some drivers are not, and those are the drivers that are frustrated with the existing package. Um, again, I do applaud NASCAR and Goodyear for putting their heads together and coming up with some ideas uh, in order to improve upon the racing. I like that they're always looking for a way to improve. Um, and I think this is a reasonable way to maybe do that to where the drivers are going to feel more comfortable in that car. But, again, we're talking parity, so it makes me wonder if if you're – if If you have parity now and you make the same changes for all of the cars, uh, you still have parity, and it's still going to be hard to pass those cars that are in the same equipment that you have, and their car can run as well as your car is running. So, um sometimes at some point these drivers have to accept the fact that there is parity and that every driver has a right to be on that track even if they are holding you up and bill france jr was right the fans are paying to watch you pass those cars and figure out a way for you to pass those cars so i i get where the frustration is coming from i get why drivers and drivers by the way are always going to want something better uh, to help them pass. Uh, that's going to be an eternal wish list for drivers. So um, it, it puts NASCAR kind of in a tough spot, but I do think that they're coming up with, with an idea. But I don't know that it's going to be the solution because you're still going to have parity. Andy.
5: Yeah, so um, I I look at Martinsville specifically and I know we talked about this after the race a week or so ago, I guess it would be a week ago tonight. Um, You hit, you hit on a really good point, both you Sharon and Jay about the fact that the cars have never been more equal than they are today. Right. Therefore, because everyone's going practically the same speed in theory, it makes passing more difficult. So I don't know that you're going to fully fix that. However, one of the issues I did see from the Martinsville race, and I think I talked about it a week ago, was that um, the tires didn't seem to matter very much. And I think that's the direction that maybe they're looking at um, as a, as a direction to move in following the Martinsville race is that you could take no tires, two tires or four tires. And if you got the lead, you could have someone. You could, for instance, stay out with no tires, run twenty laps, stay out on no tires, have someone directly behind you with four tires, and they couldn't pass you. So, and, and I would agree, there was some passing, but tire strategy really, it there wasn't it was it wasn't there for whatever reason. The fall off for some reason, didn't seem to make a difference. You could have old tires, two tires, or four tires, and if you had the track position, you could retain it. So from a strategy standpoint, it was good because it was up to the crew chief to decide, should I pit or should I stay out? And ultimately, that's what helps dictate the end of the race. So from that side of things, okay, that was good, but I can see why maybe they're looking at tires as an option to promote passing in the future, because if you can make tire wear more important, it you know it means that you you if you do stay out to get the track position on two tires you're you're at risk for being passed by somebody behind you with fresher tires and and that is obviously a place like Darlington, if you don't take tires, you're in really big trouble, and I think maybe that's what they're gonna try to promote at places like Martinsville and some other. Racetracks where tire wear, as of right now, hasn't been as much of a problem, um, and and so I, I would welcome the idea of being able to change tire compounds and maybe mix things up a little bit to try to help promote passing. Um, another issue that I saw, you know, with regards to Martinsville specifically was the shifting and you know, I think Bob Prockers or somebody made a point that the shifting has created a lack of passing because you can downshift, gain RPM, and it really, you know, helps the center speed of the race car to try to prevent somebody from behind you and passing you. So there's all these little things right now with this current cup car that I think have lent itself to, at least at some racetracks, passing being a bit more challenging than we've seen in the past. And so, you know, but, but you look at the fact that NASCAR and, and everyone seemingly has a common goal here, teams and the sanctioning body alike to try to make the racing better. And Martins the Martinsville race, I would agree, it wasn't terrible. But there are some things they can do to maybe make passing more prevalent and if they can make that better then I'm all about it.
0: Okay, Mike, your follow up?
6: Well it's a really tough position to be in, like you guys have said. NASCAR, has they, they very specifically and very targeted tried to make it uh, more fair and, and parity between all the different cars. We saw that last year especially, not so much this year, but absolutely last year, where we had something like 19 different unique winners through the, the series last year, which is great. It's, it's wonderful to see these other teams, especially teams that don't traditionally win races, have the ability to run up front and win races and get those notoriety and exposures that they haven't been able to get for those years. But the other side of that equation is what Andy talked about where when all the cars are equal, you're not going to outrun somebody with a faster car because you don't have a faster car. (laughs) Everyone's (laughs) the same speed. So it's, it's really hard to that, that Bill France quote that you're throwing out. It's really hard to use your faster car to pass somebody when you don't have a faster car. And, you know, all you're doing is waiting for somebody to make a mistake and then capitalizing on that mistake. But we're talking about the NASCAR Cup Series here. These guys are really, really good. They don't make a lot of mistakes. So there's not a lot of opportunities for drivers to capitalize. So you can be a very, very good driver and surrounded by drivers who are almost just as good as you. And a car that is about the same as what you've got, what are you going to use to pass them besides the bumper? And that's kind of the position that NASCAR's in right now. To Jay's point about loosening up the rule book, I like what, you, what you're saying there, but that might work for a little while, but you and I both know what's gonna happen is the engineers are gonna run through their simulations and their wind tunnels and all their testing, and they're gonna maximize right up to the edge of that envelope in every single direction again. They're gonna figure out what combination of setup in that looser rulebook works to get the absolute maximum out of the car Every single team will have the same setup, and we'll be right back to where we started. With regard to the tire compounds, I think tire fall-off is probably more important than the initial grip or not, kind of like what Andy was saying, where what's the point of changing tires if tires don't make a difference and track position is king? But if you have that strategy, like kind of what we used to have before, before the Gen 7 car, where you would have that strategy called do I give up track position and, and come in and take tires, Or do I stay out and hope that those guys on tires don't eat me up because they're going to be substantially faster? There are very few tracks that we see now. Martinsville used to be one of them, but it's not anymore, where you are substantially faster with new tires versus old tires. So maybe having a tire with a little bit more fall-off, like the rain tires that we had in the truck series race at Martinsville, that might be something to look at where there's a little bit more strategy involved but then again if you go too far in that direction and the tires fall off substantially everyone's going to pit every single time to put tires on the car either way so i trust that they've got some really smart people trying to wrap their head around this thing i hope they come up with a solution because i do love short track racing and i really don't like that short track racing is kind of in the dumps right now so i hope they can come up with a solution and we can get back to the excitement that short track racing used to be
0: yeah, I like short track racing as well. And, and Oh, Jay, let me go to you next. I almost skipped you.
4: Well, I, I don't have a whole lot to follow up on it. You know, I get my idea, um, but i got to follow up on what Mike said. Put it in the hands of those that uh, get paid to do that and are, are definitely looking at it. So uh, whether it be in the tires, the only thing I get, I get concerned about when you mess, uh, go with the tires or the fall off then the teams are going to try and push it too far. We have tire blowouts. We've seen that before. So you've got to tread carefully, literally, with the tread uh, on using that. Um, I think there's a couple different options. I know they've already tried the aero package and engine package, so my, my thought was try something different, uh, I guess, is where I was going with that. And lastly, to this topic, before I turn it back over to Sharon, I'm just glad to see that Benny Hamlin's voice was heard and that he's on the same page with NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um yeah, I I I guess tires is it, they, it seems to me that NASCAR's given or not NASCAR but Goodyear has uh, given the drivers a tire that's too good. And so it doesn't matter if they change them or not, it still works on the track. And now we're saying let's make the tire a little less good so that uh, we can uh, get that fall off on the tire and, you know, which teams can manage their tires better. But Jay is absolutely right. What you're going to have, and we see this every year, where teams play around with tire pressure, Uh, Goodyear gives a recommended air pressure, uh, tire pressure uh, range, and some teams like to try to play with that to give themselves a competitive advantage, and they end up blowing out tires, and then they blame Goodyear for not having a good tire. Uh, So I want everybody to remember this conversation when these drivers start blowing the tires, (laughs) <laughs> uh that you know <laughs> goodyear gave them a good tire uh and they didn't like it because they couldn't pass cars so i again i don't think it's that they can't pass cars i think it's the par- the their the ability is there because we see teams passing cars um So why are some teams able to pass those cars and other teams are not? So I think we need to look at that. What are those teams that are able to pass the cars? What are they doing that the other teams are not doing? Uh, Because that um, is where the difference is. I just think that I'm just afraid that making the change to the tires, it might help. It might help them um, it, when they're racing, but we're going to see more flat tires and we're going to see teams playing with the uh, tire pressure on those tires. Uh, and we're going to see blowouts. And, yeah, some driver that uh, you think should have won the race might not win the race because they've messed with the tire pressure and now he's wrecked his car. So we'll see what happens. Andy? Andy?
5: Yeah, you know, ultimately, I'm just hoping that we can we can see a, a better racing product. And you know, I just um, I, it, my solution, honestly, is you should just have half the field go one way, half the field go the other way, and, and you know, and see how that works out. And maybe that'll make things more okay, exciting. Tony. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> but. No, seriously, I like the fact that they're they're willing and open to try to make changes to make it better. Um, that, that's a good thing, and you have to applaud NASCAR for listening to the teams and drivers and for being willing to, to try new things and to try to make it better. They've already tried to make changes, and I'm glad that they'll continue to do so, and that's the big thing.
0: Poor NASCAR. <laughs> it seems the more they try to please everybody, the less they please everybody. It, it just drives me crazy. Um anyway, we are at that time that we need to do our round table. Uh we actually have maybe a square table tonight. <laughs> uh but a little more round. So Mike, let's start with you.
2: Sure, it's
6: gonna be Mike underscore. Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Changing gears. I am going back to the Birmingham area this weekend, but I'm changing gears a little bit. I'm gonna be going to Barber Motorsports Park and I'm gonna check out the IndyCar race this weekend. Right next door to right. Talladega, so if you are in the Birmingham area, go and check it out. It's uh, Barber Motorsports Park is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful facility. Uh, a little expensive to damage their Armco. I had to get that in there because I knew if I didn't, Jay would. But beautiful facility. <laughs> if you do get the opportunity to head out there, if not for the IndyCar race this weekend, head out to Barber Motorsports Park one of these days. You you owe it to yourself.
0: All right. Thanks for that promo, Jay.
4: Well, in that case, I'll take the shot at Andy. As Dave Moody says, uh, he occasionally has wild hair idea days, but today's not that day. So you've got to hold on to that uh, thought there, Andy. Uh oh, man. Follow me <laughs> on Facebook, Michael Hootsman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I do want to give a for real good shout-out from Talladega Weekend. 90 years old, Red Farmer got second in the future with the crate race and late model. Uh, they're at Talladega. unbelievable.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh definitely a hall of famer right there. Okay. Uh
5: Andy. C B fourteen fan on uh, Twitter and um good to be back tonight and uh hoping to do the same for Thursday.
0: All right. Uh so looking forward to that. I am Van for Racing site on Twitter and Van for Racing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including our website, com. A uh, big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, we did have Sean Hingorani back on the show um, this week as he had back-to-back wins for Venturini Motorsports in the ARCA West, uh, which is amazing. They're going for those... Uh, Uh, championships in both the East and the West, and Sean said that he will be racing at Dover this weekend, so that's going to be exciting. Um, So, uh, again, uh, take a listen to uh, that interview. Uh, I did try to get Jason Schultz on for this Thursday night. He says he's a little too new uh, at Trackhouse Racing to come on the show just yet, but he does want me to come back and ask him sometime this season. He does want to come back onto the show at some point. So we'll see if we can't get Jason on the show at some point in the future. Um, and then uh, also a big shout-out to our fan for racing crew, Sal Segala, who did the uh, review part of the show with us tonight. And then, of course, uh, Andy Lasky, Jay Huseman, and Mike Orzel, I appreciate each and every one of you. We always have diverse ideas and thoughts about what's going on in the NASCAR world, and it's always fun to talk about it here on our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. So uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a night. Jay and I will be back this Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on FAMFA Racing Radio. Good
2: night,
4: hey, for looking forward to it. Good night.
0: Good night, everybody.